This is Unfiltered. This is a holiday edition of the Unfiltered program. And on this week, we're going to look back at some of the important moments from 2016 while Chase and I, theoretically in the future, are taking the week off. So sit back and go on a ride with me on some of the important moments of 2016. Welcome to Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's hopefully distracting you from all of that news that you shouldn't be watching. Go veg out, enjoy entertainment, and then come back here and get your news nutrition. Now this week, instead of giving the current headlines, we're going to look back at some of the major headlines that went down while Mr. Chase and I were at the mic. Now, there's so many things we could go into, so I got to preface this with a little bit of an upfront saying... I'm not sure we're going to get to your favorite topic, but I am looking at a list that has been put together, not by myself, apparently by magic, and I am damn impressed. So I want to start with Unfilter 171, which marked a shift in the approach to Assad. Then we're going to move into Flint and then Hillary's email servers. So these first few batches of segments are obviously super important. Hey, uh, let's talk about Assad. Uh, This is something we've been watching uh, since it's been in the media for years now. And uh, there's been a unique and distinct evolution of the U.S.'s position. And the U.S. just signed some papers in the U.N. about a political transition. And everybody's trying to get on board now with a political strategy for Syria. And you heard the State Department. Peace in Syria is one of their number one accomplishments for 2015. The U.S. stance on the fate of the Syrian president, Bashar al-Assad, has been changing all year long. RT's guy in a Chichikan takes us back. The U.S. has signed on to a U.N. Security Council resolution, which is set to lead to a political transition in Syria. But when Bashar al-Assad goes is not spelled out. position is that Assad has lost legitimacy. He cannot be part of a Syrian government, how and when he goes is still under debate. Would you say that it is still being discussed and and decided whether or not he can be part of the transition process? So what I'd say is it is still being decided and discussed what that transitional process looks like. There was a time when the U.S. insisted on Bashar Assad's departure before any political process could be started. There's no future for Assad in Syria. In Syria... The only way that the civil war will end is an inclusive political transition to a new government without Bashar Assad. The last year and a half, we have said that Assad has to go. But realism also requires a managed transition away from Assad and to a new leader. It is not conceivable that Assad can regain legitimacy. And hasten the day that Assad's bloody tenure comes to an end. Assad is going to have to leave. Although the State Department claims the U.S. position on Bashar Assad has not changed, many see it otherwise. Obviously, there's been something of almost a tectonic shift. Uh, Two things have happened over the course of the last few months. Uh, Growing realization, A, uh, that the policy of regime change, which had been on the agenda for the most part for this U.S. administration, has been an absolute failure and has led to the growth of, uh, of ISIL and uh, the more killing and devastation in the region than the region has seen in decades. 
secondly, uh, the uh, shooting down of the Russian plane by the Turks uh, sent a message that perhaps this conflict will lead to a major conflict uh, between great powers. We U.S. Saying. officials still say Assad needs to leave. Only now they add he can stay for a while. It's a major shift, and I and it's one that I think we're not totally soaking in how major it is because nobody's talking well, about it. Well, we talked about it before we went on our break. Yeah, we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, like it, it. Nobody on the radio, nobody on television, nobody in print because is, it's against the narrative. It's, it's like it's, they're just not even shock. seeing it. Well, it's I, a shock against the narrative. They're I like, guess. well, it's been pushed for how long? I really think I really think Turkey shooting down that Russian jet was the turning point. I think that was the pivot point for all of this. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Flint. Michigan. This is yes. really this is really something. As I drink water, which is you know ironic, but yeah, yeah. just so, so sad. Yeah, yeah. So the BBC uh, will sort of bring us up to date on why this is actually really a big story, and uh, this story has been developing uh, uh, very rapidly. So I've what I've done is I've gotten slices over the past couple of weeks of clips from this story. Uh, in full disclosure, this clip is probably going to get pulled off YouTube. I will say right now, before it does, I think that's bullshit. This is fair use of this clip. Just because the BBC has a verified account and put this video on their account doesn't mean I shouldn't be allowed to play it on my YouTube channel. So I'm going to play it anyways, even though it means thousands of people may not be able to watch this video. I'm going to play it anyways because it is our right to play these videos. That's my standard disclaimer. Yeah. The birthplace of General Motors. Flint, Michigan is now a symbol of industrial decline with high poverty and crime rates. And now a new danger. It's water. Melissa Mays, once a healthy mother of three, blames her family's recent health problems on the city's water. It was in the fall of 2014, we started to lose our hair, all five of us. And we started developing rashes on our arms and our face, and it wouldn't go away, and it hurt. So, you know, we'd ask questions, and they'd tell us, oh, the water's just a little harder. It's fine. Hey, guys, I want you to come in here and get some water. But it was far from fine. Her children's blood tests revealed high exposure to lead. So how did Flint's water supply become contaminated? All right, we'll stop there. Uh... I want to just pause for a moment and talk about uh, sort of the other insidious thing here is there's a lot of evidence that the local government was very aware of the situation. Oh, absolutely. For a while. Yes. Uh, All right. So uh, a little more background on how it started. To save money, the city stopped pumping water from Detroit and started pumping it from this, the Flint River. The problem is it's a lot more corrosive, damaging Flint's aging pipes and leaching lead into its water supply. The state didn't acknowledge there was lead in the water until September, a year and a half after the switch. And they didn't ask for government help until last week. President Obama has now declared a state of emergency. So as you can imagine, uh, the public is pretty damn pissed off. And uh, here's a timeline from MSNBC to give you some more background. We see pictures of these kids getting their blood tested. We hear the rifts that Tony is there talking about. Sometimes it's easy to forget this has been going on for two years. I've sort of picked seven salient moments along this timeline for our viewers. This all started April 25th of 2014. That was when the city of Flint changed its water source. Three months later, October 1st, 2014, a plant, a GM plant, decides that the water is corroding its engine parts. They say they're not going to use it. Three months after that, April, 
excuse me, sorry, January uh, 13th of 2015. This is a key date. This is when there was a change in the emergency management structure. Darnell Early leaves the city of Flint, becomes the head of the Detroit Public Schools. A lot of people are going to be looking at this date in their investigation. Three months after that, we have a council vice president. Council Vice President Davis attacks the governor on his Facebook page, calls it genocide. Another major moment. That's when we had a lot of national attention come down on the city of Flint. Five months after that, September 29th, that's when Governor Snyder gives a press conference. He calls it a, quote, serious issue. He promises public action steps. Three months later, December of 2015, you have this poster letting parents know it's safe to bathe your kids have in you seen the this? water. So, uh, hey, Flint, it's safe to wash. Uh, and it's got, uh, for those of you listening, two babies in a bathtub with bubbles bubbling up. And in those bubbles, it says lead and bathwater will not soak into your skin fast or at high levels. Unfiltered warm tap water is okay for showers and bath for you and your kids. Just don't let the kids drink bathwater when they play in the tub. Yuck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was made and, and passed around to the, uh, to the public. Wow. By the government. Believe it or not, that was three months after the governor admitted that there was a serious problem. And then just a month after that, after that poster is released, President Obama declares a national emergency in Flint. Jose, that's when he freed up $5 million of immediate aid to the city. Hey, YouTube fans. All right, so now that's your timeline from MSNBC. Wow. Now, of course, this this next problem is, well, guess what? The governor is under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, he asks that uh, you know the public trust him. They say, no, release your emails, and then the emails get released. In a late development in a story we've been following here, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder has released his emails related to the toxic water crisis in Flint a day after he apologized and vowed to fix it. Snyder faces calls to resign as the people of Flint suffer with the uncertainty of when clean water will flow from their taps again. NBC's Kevin Tibbles has more. All right, so this 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 leads to uh, once the emails go out, people realize that they knew for a while, and then they get pissed. Really, an alarming story: growing anger over tainted lead-poisoned water in Flint, Michigan, that may have been in people's water supply for more than a year. This is not a natural disaster. Right. This is not a mistake. Others are echoing Flint. You see Michael Moore getting in on that. Oh, absolutely. And and by the way, he's not like doing this to push a film. He's from Flint, Michigan. I know. I know. Of course, everybody knows that. That's his whole brand. I know. We we need to remind the people out there. No, nobody needs. That's my whole. That's what doesn't feel good about this is nobody needs reminded of that. Everybody knows. It just I guess I'm happy for the people of Flint that they they have have a very public figurehead. Yes. Yes. I I just something still about it being Michael Moore feels a little. But who else? Squishy. Who else? Just feels. I know it feels squishy, but who else? Michael Moore's message. Jesse Jackson calling the city a crime scene. Also. I was thinking that in my head. I'll take it. Who else you want there? Jesse Jackson. You like that? You like that a lot. Of course, Bernie and Hill Dogs uh, brought it up uh, during the town hall, too. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders expressing outrage during the debate, calling for Michigan Governor Rick Snyder to resign. And right now, there is a large group of people protesting in front of the governor's mansion, house, his house rather. Not his mansion. Not his mansion. I totally don't mean mansion. I mean house. I mean, yes, I think all white elites should be in mansions, but he doesn't have one. Protesting in front of the governor's mansion, house, his house rather, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's where CNN correspondent Sarah Ganim is right now. So, So Sarah, these protesters, they're calling for his resignation? 
They're actually calling for his arrest, Jim. These people out here, about 150, uh, 200 people have been out here for the past hour. I'm just going to say, dude, uh, if uh, if my entire family's hair started falling out oh. and I had that problem with my children, I would want I would want blood. Yeah. I would want. I would, I would be so. so angry. In the freezing cold, these these people are angry. They're upset. These are residents of Flint. They're upset with how this happened. How they feel like their health care was ta- had to take a backseat to cost-cutting measures. How this took so long for officials to acknowledge that there was lead in their water, Jim. They're upset that they believe that a 400% spike in Legionnaires' disease over the two years that they had different water, Flint 400% spike. Jeez. River water flowing through their taps. Uh, Ten people died. They're upset about that. They're angry that they're still paying for this water that's flowing through their taps. Earlier today, we were at a resident's house. The water coming into her bathtub was blue, and it had specks of black in it. Blue and specks of black, Chase. Can you believe... But it's okay to, to wash with, Chris. This is the United States of America. Yeah. The, the strongest country in the world. Remember when Obama was just bragging about how buff our military was, about how we spend more than— uh, and, and the one guy going, yeah, military yeah, we do. industrial Yeah, complex. we do. We spend a ton of money. I mean, so, okay, so I, 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 don't, I don't know how to talk about this in a way that doesn't seem sort of pandemic like we've talked about it before. But yeah. uh, seriously, at what point do we start investing at home just a little bit, right? Well, I, what, what it comes down to is obviously you have government officials, of course, protecting their own skin. They, they, they're— they're trying to satisfy the, the private interests. Yeah. It's the same line that we've heard time and time again. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, there's no responsibility. You, you saw, you know, uh, some players have left jobs, and what they're going to do is they're trying to leave jobs now so they stay yeah. safe, yeah, yeah. and in two yeah. years they'll reemerge right. somewhere else. And just so I'm clear, uh, lead in water, bad. Fluoride in water, good, right? Well, in moderation, Chris. bathtub was blue, and it had specks of black in it, Jim. That's what these people are angry about. They're angry that it took nearly two years for FEMA and the National Guard to be called in. And as you mentioned, it's not just them that are angry. This has become a national political issue with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders talking about it last night at the presidential debate. Rick Snyder, the governor here in Michigan, has taken to Twitter to respond saying this, quote, political statements and finger pointing from politicians, I'm sorry, from political candidates only distract from solving the Flint water crisis. That's because they're pointing the finger at you. Right. He's also said that he's established a task force that will uh, determine exactly what happened so far. One state official has been fired over this, has re- resigned over this. No, so, no, fired or resigned. <laughs> There's a huge difference. You like that? <laughs> He's been fired. No, resigned. No, he got out before yeah. he. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think uh, he uh, he resigned like Chuck Hagel resigned. Uh, so um, when I hear this, I think. So when she says that uh, he set up what, what he said a task force political candidates only distract yeah. from solving the Flint water crisis. So when a politician says stop the finger pointing, he's also said that he's established a task force that- and they establish a task force. What that is language for is I'm not stepping down. No, it's the task force is going to find someone else at fault. Yeah, we're going to yeah. acknowledge that fault on right. that other person. Yeah. And he's going to bank on the fact that he can say I'm a governor. I don't manage things at that level. Even though I'd bet it got up to him if they knew something like this oh, going absolutely. on for this long. And now here's what's going to be fun for the unfiltered audience is I can I guarantee you that is politician speak for I'm not stepping down. Uh, I uh, so now the question is right. What happens next? 
Well, if he doesn't step down, all right, so he'll do this task force or whatever. And if he does end up stepping down, I think that means he was pressured to do so. No, I bet you see a recall. I, I think you definitely see a recall. All right, you ready for uh, you ready for a red book? Yeah, let's red book it. Now, what do you I, think? I have not I have not checked the news as of right now. I say, well, let's check the news as we're recording the show to see if anything has happened. I'm going to just do a search right now uh, at Google News because Google. Google knows all, right? Right. I mean, I prefer Bing, but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. You want me to use Bing News? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so I'm going to do Flint, Michigan. Yep. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to see what we get. Uh, you know, maybe I'll also put the word keyword governor in there, because here's what, because for all we know, he's already announced a step down. Yeah, we never know. I that's want, true. I want to ask you. We want to get this right. Uh, yeah, okay. No, we got a panel. We got the panel. Yeah, it's all about panels. Yeah, no panel. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. New plan. Not got a new plan. He's got a new plan. Yeah, he's not. Okay. So Chase Nunes. Yes, Chris Fisher. By the end of this at some point. Yes, Chris. Will the governor, will Governor Snyder have been forced out either by political pressure? Will he step down? No. What is your, okay, make your, where's your red? Okay, hold on. Hold on, where's the red book? Okay. I want to be wrong. Let, right, me, be, hold on, no, let no. me be abundantly clear. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. I want, him, I want him to get away. All right. I'm also... Actually, he should be criminally charged if there's some way to tie him to it somehow, some way. But. Here's, 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 uh, here, you write this down, okay? All you right. write it down your prediction, and I, I'll give you my I'm, prediction. All right, fair enough. One, uh, filter 173. 170. Hey, my pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great pen. We leave that here. That's, <laughs> that's the really, I was like, I love my pen here. That's the last pen, that's the last pen I got. Uh, all, all right. right. 173, and I'll say, uh, Gov in Flint. I know he's not the governor of Flint, but it's Yeah, no, helpful. but that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to remember Flint. It. Yeah, si- Snyder. Will yeah. Not step down is what I said. Yeah, okay. not going to. And now, do you, do you think he'll be or pressured? You say uh, he's going to remain in office. I, I say we'll see a recall effort, but I, but I don't think it'll go anywhere. Okay. All right. All right. What do you so, think, man? Uh, here's my prediction. I think Governor Snyder, yeah, will remain in office unless this becomes a major 2016 ele- campaign issue. Ooh. Which I don't think it will. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask the chat room, kicked out or stays? I'm going to ask the chat room right now. We'll see what they vote, too. So we'll let them do a little live red, uh, red voting okay. right All now. Right. Unless and, uh, uh, 2016 uh, election issue. Got it. All yeah. Right. Okay. So, unle- yep. All right. So All right. the new Red Book entry is made. Doom, doom. All right. Fair enough. Straw poll is in the chat room. If you guys want to vote, if you think Snyder's going to get kicked out or remains in, and uh, so he's got his panel set up, he's got a plan of action. Right. He's going to figure out who did something yes, wrong and sense. stop pointing fingers. Will, okay. Uh, determine exactly what happened. So far, one state official has been fired over this, has re- resigned over this, <laughs> but that's not enough for these people here. They want more accountability. As you hear, they believe this goes all the way to the top. Jim, Sarah, this is the key question for me. Is there evidence, and I think for many people watching this story, that officials knew the water was poisoned before they warned the residents of Flint, Michigan? So as public documents begin to come into the public domain, we are learning that there is evidence that state officials knew as far back as February that certain Flint homes had very high levels of lead in their water and that as early as April, the EPA was aware of some of that as well. Now, 
the, the issue here is that the people were not told until August. And when they were told in August, that was not even by the state or government officials. That was by a Virginia Tech researcher who uh -oh. stepped in. And it wasn't until October that they took any steps to remedy. Uh -oh. So now the question is, for all of those months that they had the data, why weren't they acting, Jim? No question. I mean, just alarming to watch this play out. Sarah Ganneman, Flint, uh, Michigan, thank you. I, 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 uh, in Ann Arbor, I will, I will uh, uh, hold, hold on, guys. Come on. Uh, the, uh, the, the, there's just... Uh, Hey, Mr. Pre I, uh, yeah, boy. So uh, huh, I'm going to see what the chat room uh, see what the chat room. Uh, uh, I'm going to see what the chat room says. The chat room says uh, uh, so far, 71 percent say kicked out. All right, 29 percent say stays. In. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've seen the political process work so many times in this country. <laughs> I'm just saying, I... Uh, I like where you're going already with this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. This clip is uh, the State Department's uh, spokesperson, John Kirby. Look how thick that binder is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they got, he's, got a, he's got a tab for every question. I know. And this is, without any, without any spin, this is the statement from the State Department about Hillary Clinton's email. All right. That as part of this monthly FOIA production of former Secretary Clinton's emails, the State Department will be denying in full seven email chains found in 22 documents representing 37 pages. The documents are being upgraded at the request of the intelligence community because they contain a category of top-secret information. These documents were not marked classified at the time that they were sent. We have worked That's a little play on words. Uh, I'll, I'll explain why later. But that's a th key thing to remember. The documents were not marked as classified when sent to Hillary's server. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Which is her out, by you the mean, way. Yeah, I was going to say, are the, the, the little flag in Outlook wasn't yeah. red. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Mostly yeah. with our interagency partners on this matter. And this dialogue with the interagency is exactly how the process is supposed to work. All right. So there you go. Uh, so they were, they were holding uh, like 14 pages, 22 documents. Uh, and now they you got to get the opinions of people who are close to the matter, people right. who are familiar with how the process works. you got to work with people who have been there and had to communicate in these kinds of situations right. before. People who are informed, people who the public love to hear from, like Dick Cheney. I think it's very serious. <clears throat> I've never understood why she had <laughs> oh, wow. a, uh, the, the separate server she did in the garage or wherever it was. No, no, it was in her bathroom closet. Come on, Dick. I, so he says, I, I never understood why she did that. Um, why would you, you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Now, Dick well, Cheney doesn't know why Hillary Clinton would want to have her own private email server. No Dick idea. Cheney can't put that together. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> First one's down, Chase. Yes. Watch out. Red alert. Red alert. We got a Shields spill up. In the studio. Shields we up. We have a spill in the studio. Like it's never happened. Get the bonobo up off the air. It's Get off. it in the air. It's All right. Good. So Cheney, he can't, make, he can't figure this one out. Why not? Use the regular system. It's set up there. It's established uh, for everybody. And um, certainly the, the senior officials of the State Department, the Defense Department, the White House, and so forth are read into all of these uh, requirements when you get your clearances. Um, we used to have, uh, when we were there... We wiped our mail server when we were there. We used encryption. We, uh, we, we, just, we just formatted the whole damn thing. <laughs> Magnets and all. Um, it wasn't quite as up-to-date as it is today in terms of technology. Yeah. But we had a basket outside the door to the Situation Room where any electronic oh, gear had to go in that basket. A you know, cell phone, a page, or whatever it might be. You didn't take it into the room. Because it could, except for my pacemaker, can't take that. And put down the basket. <laughs> I don't have a heart. Hey, where's my shotgun? Maybe um, reverse engineered or in some fashion uh, threaten the security of what you were talking about uh, around the table. It was 
constantly something you were aware of all the time. And I don't know why she ever started in the first place. Yes, he does. A, she well, did it so that way she could have emails that were be, wouldn't be uh, uh, picked through by her rivals politically th- over the years. Yeah, but uh, don't forget, Chris, remember, and I know you're probably going to talk about this in a moment, but remember, she doesn't even know how to check her email on her computer. Right, of course. That's why she has it going to her black. It was for convenience, Chase. Yeah, it course. was for convenience. Because these are not disclosed at all, so this is our guy from the intro clip. And I'm going to play this back a little bit and then expand on his point so you can see why there actually may be some problems here for her. And this is on CNN. It makes it obviously much more apparent that somebody. This is Michael Muskisi or M- Mukasey. I can't remember. I, you probably I, people out there know Mukasey. him. He's the former U.S. Attorney General. So Mike Mukasey. Yeah. 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 Mike. Yeah. It's good old Mike. Was it's Mike. apparently removing the classified markings on State Department communications and getting them onto her home server. That, I think, is the real significance here. But how can she have culpability if nothing was so designated as classified at the time? If it was designated classified and the classification was removed according to a protocol that she knew about and wanted because that was the only way to get it onto her home server, then she is in it up to her eyeballs. What's the basis of your suspicion that perhaps so-called classified markings would have been removed? Now, this is the key point here. Well, the documents originated someplace. They didn't drop in from Mars. The person who originated them necessarily put classified markings on them because the State Department has said that they won't release any of them. So they were at one point marked. Now, how did the markings get off? I think if you turn to an email exchange between her and uh, uh, one of her staffers back in, in 2011. So in 2011, this email has already been released to the public. Hill Dog is uh, – she's in a situation where she needs some talking points. And she doesn't have time to screw around because she's about to go on mic and she needs this stuff ASAP. She needs it on her BlackBerry and where right she's now. At, where she's at, the fax machine isn't working. You find that – She's waiting for a classified uh, set of talking points and at one point says um, if they can't get a, 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 a secure fax, she says turn it into non-paper with no identifying heading and send non-secure. She's in other words saying turn it into a digital copy and then just don't put any header information on it and send it over to me, which is an obvious, obvious, obvious understanding of the system, which would be an intentional working around of the classified system. 11, you find that she's waiting for a classified uh, set of talking points and at one point says um, if they can't get a, 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 a secure fax, she says turn it into non-paper with no identifying heading, and send non-secure. Now, that is very particular language relating to the fact that there are three communication systems within the government. Non-secure, SIPR or secure, and the highest, which is JWIX. The information from SIPR and from JWIX cannot move on the the low-end system, NIPR. And if you put anything on there that's got those markings on it, it essentially sets off an alarm that alerts the people involved with security. So those markings have to be taken off. And when she said in June of 2011, take the markings off, it becomes apparent that she knew how that system worked. Assume for the purpose of my next question. I think that is... That's uh, a big ding. Yeah. Huge ding. That is uh, a major problem for Hillary, if that is true. And... Here's something I've noticed. Okay. 
if you get through all of this, what comes down to is, and in fact, maybe, you know, maybe I'll let him say it cause, uh, essentially, because essentially, let me uh, dig in a little bit. If I jump ahead, let's see, right about uh, but against Hillary Clinton. If the decision from. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to back up a little bit. So this talks about then what happens if she does get in trouble. Director of the FBI and then sent to the Attorney General. So let me back up a little more. Um, the FBI is conducting the investigation. I believe it is working with people at the Justice Department now. At some point, all of this is going to be tied up in a package um, and put before uh, the director of the FBI and then sent to the attorney general. If the package appears to contain a crime, then there's going to be a recommendation that a prosecution be brought. Judge, this is complicated stuff. So uh, this comes down to Comey, who is kind of known to not be a big fan of the Clintons. Uh, It comes down to him seeing he's going to get the final presentation by his people then he's going to go to the uh, the uh, to the to the prosecutor and say, "I think we should or shouldn't uh, go after her for this." Then, after that, sum up. Give me the thirty-second sound bite so that people who are paying attention at home understand what's really at issue. What's really at issue is there's going to be a decision at some point as to whether a charge should be brought against Hillary Clinton. If the decision from the director of the FBI is that it should, and the attorney general says no. There are going to be people resigning and going public the same way we saw in connection with the Saturday Night Massacre. If the decision is made to go ahead with the charge, then we're going to see some negotiation between Hillary Clinton and the White House as to how that proceeds. Michael Mukasey, former attorney general of the United States. Thank you for being here. All right. So that is particularly damaging for the Hill dog. So so here's the problem with Comey that I'm thinking about here. He he has to walk a very fine line if he is going to bring this to light, right, and want to recommend charges or whatever the case may be, bring her in Actually, for an interview. Actually, he is in the best position out of anybody. Yeah, but you got to be careful because everybody knows that he doesn't like the Hill Dog family, right? Mm-hmm. So he he runs a, a very fine line of making it political uh, and saying, well, this is, this is, you're just playing into the Republican hand. You're playing a, a partisan card here. You're not doing this for justice. You're just doing this because she's running for president. So how does he, how does he pull this out and not well, make it? He has to have, I mean, if you go, if you're going to take down Hillary Clinton, you have to have such an ironclad case. So first of all, it's going to be a clear cut case. Right. Second of all, Comey's in for 10 years. Yeah, Regardless of the next president, he's right. in for he 10 can, years. He can't be booted. So he's got a really comfortable position right now. Uh, and so I, I, I find it to be sort of fascinating to watch from that position because he's the perfect person in the government because he's got something on her and he can go after her. Right. Uh, and, and he's insulated. So even if she gets in after this attack, uh, he's still protected because he's going to be in there. He's going to outlast her. Did any of us really see the incredible amount of corruption in the DNC coming? Did you really see that in 2016 coming down the pipe? Debbie Wasserman Schultz sort of perfectly represents this. She's the spokesperson for DNC corruption. Uh, now, one of the things I definitely noticed, and I picked it up, on, I picked up on a little bit on Monday's episode last week, is uh, if I say the name Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you say Clinton best friend. Now, if we went back in time a month ago, well, not for this show. No. That's not. We've been talking about it for a few months. But yeah. if we went back six months ago, you'd never have known that name. I wouldn't have. I would have because I know she was the chick in Florida that was oh. behind the whole election thing. Oh, you're right. So I forgot I, about I that. I remember her very, very well. 
I uh, so I I find it absolutely fascinating how the DNC chairman has become a household name all around the nation. And uh, what's great is when MSNBC, which is the most liberal of the news networks, left left is like calling for or basically pushing get her out of there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a new report from The Hill. Oh, says the Democrats are discussing whether Debbie Wasserman Schultz should step down. Yeah. At, uh, <laughs> so what do you think about that, Megan? As DNC chairwoman. What do, what do you think? You think she should step down? I think Megan's uh, been clear on that. Oh, has she already talked about that? <laughs> they think that she should do that before the party's national convention in July. Yeah. Before the convention, which is yeah. my favorite part. Yeah. One pro-Hillary Clinton Democratic senator tells The Hill, quote, there have been lots of meetings over the past 48 hours about what color plate. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway. Here we delivered Debbie Wasserman no. Schultz on. Um, so, David that. Ignatius, uh, but it, we have the author of the piece. David, it's it's simple, right? I mean, it, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has to go for the sake of party unity. Oh, so that's that's the wow. narrative on the media. Yeah. Wow. I love it. It's so great to watch this happen. It's so great. Coming up is Unfilter 193, our first big batch of DNC leaks and Guccifer. This was going to kick off a bumpy ride. I don't know if any of us could have foreseen where this was going to go throughout the election. This was nuts. And I think we really started getting our heads around it right here in 193. Why don't we get to the Hill Dog League? Because this is a huge story and I've been wanting to cover it all episode. Here's a little setup. From the campaign trail, the Washington Post reporting the Russian government hacked into the computer network of the Democratic National Committee and gained access to a database containing opposition research on Donald Trump. So you remember this story? Yeah. So this, uh, this story continued to air after we got off the air. Uh, let's see this. Uh, this one aired, uh, uh, pulling it up here, uh, the day of our show. That's when that clip aired, okay? Okay. Then a couple days later, it turns out, well, Chase was right. It wasn't Russian hackers. It was this hacker named Guccifer. A Gucifer. hacker going by the name of Guccifer 2.0 has leaked documents <laughs> stolen from the U.S. Democratic National Committee, describing how Hillary Clinton's campaign was planning to undermine Donald Trump. The cyber attack had earlier been blamed on Russian hackers. Here's RT's Guyan Chichikan with more on the hacking scandal. Guccifer 2.0 says that he acted alone. This comes a day after the Democratic Party, along with a security firm called CrowdStrike, which the party hired, said they believed their systems were hacked by two groups of Russian government hackers. Here's my uh, conspiracy bacon on this one, Chase. Mm. Wait, more bacon from Snohomish? Yeah. I think that the DNC got these guys in there and they got this story out about Russian hackers to get that narrative out there before this story dropped because they knew this story was coming. And so that whole thing was a ruse to get us talking about Russian hackers because Russian hackers are way more badass than some guy. They believed their systems were hacked by two groups of Russian government hackers. The cyber firm said the group the groups were among, quote, the best threat actors that we've ever encountered, end quote. <laughs> Guccifer 2.0 in his blog thanked the security firm for the compliments, saying, quote, I'm very pleased the company appreciated my skills so highly, but in fact, it was easy. Very easy, end quote. <laughs> the Democratic Party is not a government entity, and I asked the State Department if U.S. authorities were looking into these allegations. The spokesperson had no comment on the story. Would refer you to the DNC for comment on this. Uh, is the government looking into this? 
Uh, I'd you'd have to talk to the DNC. The Russian government reacted by saying, <laughs> Wait, he's, she's asking if the government, the government. is. You'd have to you'd talk, have to, to, talk to the DNC. No, I'm asking you. You're yeah, the government. I know, I know the DNC might be. Are you? Uh, I'd you'd have to talk to the DNC. The Russian government reacted by he is saying, shaking his quote, head, it's though, easier no. to blame enemies than to admit one's own incompetence. Even <laughs> after Guccifer 2.0 said he acted alone, CrowdStrike did not back down from its claims that no. the Russian government was involved. We're exploring the document's authenticity and origin. Regardless, these claims do nothing to lessen our findings relating to the Russian government's involvement, portions of which have been documented for the public and the greater security community. Yeah. Guccifer 2.0 says the documents that he published are just a snippet of what is to come. He says he saved thousands of documents, most of which he turned over to WikiLeaks. So we may see them on WikiLeaks soon. We will. Remember, Julian Assange said what WikiLeaks has to publish will be enough to indict the Democratic presumptive nominee Hillary Clinton. He was referring to the emails. But maybe the new WikiLeaks document dump will include more than the emails of the former secretary. Well, we have some of it. And uh, we're going to go through it. And it's it's good. But uh, one more. One more story. Uh. So a hack attack against hack the attack. DNC purportedly revealing a treasure trove of documents related to Hillary Clinton, including <laughs> Democrats' lines on defense, like topics uh, on topics like Libya and on Benghazi as well. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Herridge uh, looking into all this, and she joins us with more this morning. Good morning, Catherine. Well, thank you, Martha. Some of these documents give She's us a window a into the issues the DNC and the Clinton prop. campaign are worried about and how they will combat them in the media on the use of her unsecured private server by that and Secretary Clinton for Government Business, the documents say the emphasis should be placed on how the use of private email was not prohibited, that federal regulations give government officials the flexibility to determine which emails are public, and that she turned over more emails than any other secretary. But the State Department watchdog found just last month that Mrs. Clinton broke virtually every rule when it came to Oops. emails and that her use of a personal server was never authorized. Oh. And despite what she said publicly, she never gave an interview to government investigators. Shit. Meantime, today, Clinton IT specialist Brian Pagliano will be questioned by Judicial <laughs> Watch, where he is expected to perhaps set an indoor record for Ew. taking the fifth. The conservative group said it plans <laughs> to ask every record. question on their list and force Pagliano to invoke his Fifth Amendment rights in every response. As you recall, the federal court recently ruled his immunity deal can be kept secret because of the FBI's ongoing criminal investigation, Martha. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. So what about the uh, story that WikiLeaks claims that they have mm -hmm. some of Hillary Clinton's emails? Is that credible? OMG, OMG, OMG. Well, the head of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, really has a track Assange. record for releasing releasing authentic documents, and he now says that he's going to release some of the Clinton emails perhaps within the next few weeks. This suggests the Clinton server was compromised by a third party, and an NSA whistleblower says there is no doubt in his mind that Clinton and her team put ease of access to the server over security. I mean, even, even Putin is saying he's going to release some of the emails. So... You know, it's just it shows that it, when you take it out and put it out in the open environment that it's vulnerable to attack from all people in the world, hackers, governments, everybody. The Clinton campaign has consistently maintained that there's no evidence of a breach, but this is really uh, a position that's getting harder and harder uh, to argue, given uh, the new claims by WikiLeaks, uh, the reporting uh, citing the Russian government, and then, of course, our reporting here at Fox News that the Romanian hacker said he got inside that server. Mark. Nobody does props. Nobody does props like she does. No, I got to go no, back to that. She's so good. Yeah. Look so, at that. <clears throat> Boom. No, we can't go that good. 
But uh, we do have now. So you don't get to see much there. No, no. But she, well, you know what she does? She makes sure she has the right side showing to the camera. Mm-hmm. She's good at it. Thank you, Martha. Some of Watch these the, documents boom. give us a window. Into- I love the swing up that she does, and unfortunately, the uh, director didn't cut soon enough, or she did it too soon. She has such a good swing up process. Well, Watch you, her hand. Some of these documents boom. give us you a window that? into yeah. the issues the DNC. So just visualize as uh, as we go through this. So uh, here we go. The, we have some of these here, and uh, these are all in the supporter sync. There's a lot we can go through. Producer Matt has one he thought would be fun for us to go through. Okay. But we have all kinds, like um, position cheat sheets for different uh, Democrats and their positions, uh, uh, different positions, Hillary's official positions on different things like estate tax, H-1B-1 visas, no-fault divorces, NSA and Snowden. It's kind of interesting. You want to open up the NSA and Snowden one? So these are in Doc X, and okay. you can see at the top they have a matrix of different head uh, Democrats and their positions, and they even have Sanders in here at a certain point. So what this is is this is a treasure trove of very, very aggressive and honest research that the DNC proactively did against Hillary to investigate the Clinton Foundation, to investigate email stuff, and they have dug up some shit on her. Wow. Yeah, and it's in this cache. It's great. <laughs> it really is great. So – um Let's get, so here with uh, 2016 Dems on the TPP, Martin O'Malley opposed the trans. So each they have each uh, Vice President Biden and their quotes, the statements, links, and dates to where they did it. So everything's referenced and sourced. So that way, when a topic wow. comes up, they're ready to jump with their response. This is really good. Yeah, this is good stuff. Attack. Look at all the categories that are different. Attacks on Clinton's and their, and their summary. So attacks on Clinton seven nineteen fifteen. Lindsey Graham, Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Chris Christie, each person's attack on Clinton. Bobby Jindal in there, I see. Wow. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of stuff on uh, – here's like here's the Clinton Foundation donors that contributed more than $25,000. A couple of names you might recognize. Uh, the XPRIZE Foundation has contributed more than $25,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, William Sonoma, Shirley, uh, Sheridan Williams – uh, Women's Food Service Forum, Women's Funding Network. You might recognize Yahoo Employees Foundation, Young Presidents Organization. That's an interesting one. And some names, too, that are on there, uh, like Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron Howard's on there. Uh, they've donated more than $25,000. Foreign donors, uh, Happy Hearts Invoice, uh, it, it breakdowns of costs for uh, things in the Clinton Foundation, corporate donors to the Clinton Foundation. And there's a good one, huh? See these, this kind of stuff. Why is it that you know? No, is it to give a credibility and highest why, paid contractors? Why, why isn't this not being uh, executive producers, stage crew this providers, video system vendors? Uh, we're talking big numbers here: four hundred ninety-two thousand dollars, six hundred forty-one thousand wow. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Now your question is: Is why do they have all this research? Well, I mean, no, they have. We know why, but. But why isn't this being not more talked about and exploited, Chris? Oh, well, maybe it will. You think? Maybe it will. Here's a breakdown uh, of the Clinton Foundation uh, spending in a, in a pretty nice spreadsheet here. Remember, you were making jokes about uh, the writer uh, that she has. Yes, uh, for, for her speaking engagements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So we have a lot of good stuff here. Uh, but the one that producer Matt thought we should go through is Clinton Foundation Vulnerabilities Master Doc. So we're going to find that. So uh, we're, let's, let's look for master doc. So we have – wow, look at all these that are officially master docs. <laughs> look at that, Chase, huh? 
Here, let's wow. break it down into a list so we can see. These are all, so we have uh, Hillary Clinton master doc, Joe Biden master doc. Ooh. Let's, Uncle uh, take, Joe. let's take a little diversion into there. Uh, Vice has been a strident voice of skepticism about the use of American force. Uh, Vice president voted against the Gulf War. Um, so they have a contrasting him with other Democrats. They contrast him with Obama. They contrast him with Hillary Clinton. Huh. Man. Interesting, yeah. I, his positions on Iran, on Israel, on Russia. Vice President Biden said to Russian President Vladimir Putin, I'm looking into your eyes and I don't think you have a soul. As I, as I turned, I was close to him. Biden held his hand a few inches from his nose and said, I, I said, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm looking into your eyes and I don't think you have a soul. So I guess that's his position on Russia. Relationship, look at this, they have it with Malaki. Uh, criticisms for relationships with Malachi, so they have crit- common criticisms of of Obama in here. Federalism of Iraq, wow, wow, wow. His issues on the federalism of Iraq, federal, federal. Jeez, I can't say that word. Federalism. Thank you, sir. All right, but so we got to keep looking. A lot of master plans in here, uh, like Hillary Rodham Clinton defense in Syria, her defense for women. Look at this stuff. Libya and Russia. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, everybody attacking her on that. Um, this is this is some. You can see what you have here is a massive organization that has employees that are generating lots of output, and they're not using necessarily the best security practices. <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah. All right. Wow. So I was going to look. So what? So this will do. We'll do uh, uh, foundation master. Master Doc is or something like that. Yeah, Foundation Master Doc, Vulnerabilities Master Doc. Final. Here it is. Let's take a look at this one. All right, let's take a look. The Clinton Foundation revealed the names of its donors and a range of contributions totals upon its secretary. So uh, let's see. So uh, this looks like a lot of research. Holy sh! Uh, this is uh, <laughs> forty-two pages of research on. Oh this my right goodness, here. man! Wow. wow. They're talking about the, uh, the connections to the XL pipeline in here. Uh, this is really so. They're they're they really obviously feel like this is a this is a central soft spot for it. I've I've been saying that too. Clinton Foundation and the Presidential Library. The Clinton Fe- Library is a, uh, is Bill Clinton's Presidential Library raised more than ten percent of the cost of its one hundred sixty five million facility from foreign sources. Uh, yeah, the Clinton Foundation is really only established. For the library. That's what the point of the foundation is. Now that's doing all this global initiative stuff and uh, helping out with all these different things, quote unquote. That's not what it's actually established for. Huh. They're breaking down the Middle Eastern investors who've given a million dollars each. This is an incredible amount of information. Hmm. Talking about policy changes in the administration that that some of the donors wanted. So this is a huge leak and people could really dig through it. I've, I've been reading through it just to try to get more insight into the Hillary Clinton campaign, really. Just try to understand a little bit more about about all of this because it's it's. Well, do you remember ne- your next president, right, Chris? Do you remember when they leaked a huge thing on uh, uh, on uh, McCain? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have great. This is if you're if you're a supporter and you have this thing. This is a this is a really great thing to dig through. So go look through all of that. Next is the milestone unfilter two hundred. There's also some big milestones for the Clinton Foundation and for Donald Trump. Yo, Chase, wow. two hundred freaking episodes is a pretty historical landmark. Specifically, just for this show. Full disclosure: When we started this show, I thought we would end in the year two thousand and twelve. You De- really thought so? December twenty first, two thousand twelve, or something like that. I thought would be our last episode. Uh, but just the as, first day of winter, just to be fun <laughs> and just yeah. <laughs> 
Why? Do you remember? Do you remember in 2012 the world was going to end? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I thought it'd be yeah. really great to just end the show when the world was supposed to end. Just Whoa. as sort of a nod. So, to... so, so when is election day? That because really, <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. Really, it's going to blow up. But you know, then. the reason why 200 feels big to me, Chase, is yeah. the production girth of this show. I never would have thought would have been sustainable for 200 episodes. Oh, no. And you know what's amazing? And I'm just going to pat myself on the back, producer Matt on the back, and yourself, because we have come together as a team this week to present you a show that is actually full of the news that matters. Meantime tonight, Hillary Clinton releasing her 2015 tax returns and asking Donald Trump, where are his? Oh, and the media <laughs> certainly helped <laughs> applying the pressure. And we do the math tonight. How much would the Clintons have saved under Donald Trump's proposed tax plan? How clever is that? That's that's so clever what they're doing uh, here. What spin? That is an incredible spin. Here's ABC Cecilia Vega now. This is national nightly news, you guys. Tonight, Hillary Clinton taking on Donald Trump over his refusal to release his taxes. You notice how immediately, instead of it being about Clinton, instead of being about her taxes, instead of being about where her charitable donations go, the entire thing is positioned as something about Trump. Using his own words against him in a new video. But if you didn't see the tax returns, you'd think there's almost like something wrong. What's wrong? And applying more pressure by releasing hers. The Clintons earned more than $10 million last year, a steep drop from the $28 million a year earlier. Yeah, they're just funneling it into another pot. Come the on. The result of fewer paid speeches, an issue that has dogged her campaign from the start. That's a nice little zing. Okay. 83 paid speeches in uh, 2014, only 28. Well, to be fair, Chris, she was getting ready to run. Oh, well, she was thinking about running. Speech that great should be released to the American people. But Hillary Clinton still earned more than a million dollars for speaking to industries from tech to banking before she formally launched her bid for the White House. The Clintons' federal tax rate, more than 34 percent, and they donated more than a million dollars to charity. You know, if I was Trump, I would say, all right, I'll release my tax re- records when you release your speech transcripts. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what any normal campaign you, manager would say. And if he's smart, he'd wait a month or two to do it. Right. Now, I want to play this part again. Did more than a million dollars to charity. More than a million dollars to charity. Wow, so about 10%. Nice. Nice job, Hillary. Do you know? Do you know where? Uh, could, do you have? It, it's funny. They don't mention it. Do you, I, do you, so if they send a million dollars to charity... Do you suppose they would maybe tell you which charity? Let's just uh, play it back. What, the Clinton Foundation? Did more than a million dollars to charity. Is the Clinton uh, Foundation of 501? Are they a registered 501? All of it went to the Clinton Foundation. You got it, buddy. You got it. All of it. <laughs> oh, I knew it. All of their charitable donations it. went to the Clinton Foundation. Funny how that ends up working, right? On June 19, 2012, Cheryl Mills, then the chief of staff for Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, boarded an Amtrak Acela train in Washington's Union Station. Now we have a new batch of Clinton emails released uh, thanks to uh, the uh, a, uh, Freedom of Information request, and uh, a whole bunch of things have come out about some of uh, Clinton's closest aides. Bound for New York. What she did, who she met with, and why has remained a mystery even to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, until now. For the last seven months, Senate investigators have been trying to find out what Mills was up to. And for seven months, the U.S. Department of State has refused to answer. Now CNN has learned a potential reason why. Cheryl Mills, 
then a U.S. government employee and Secretary of State Clinton's chief of staff. So Cheryl Mills was the chief of staff for Secretary of State Clinton. Was in New York working on behalf of the Clinton Foundation. What? A source close to the situation confirms to CNN Mills was interviewing two people for the leadership role of the foundation. Well, that doesn't sound like State Department work, does it? No, totally not. The interviews took place inside the Park Avenue executive headhunting offices of Russell Reynolds. Mills would interview top-level executives at Walmart. You know, she must be there on behalf of Hillary and Bill. If this woman is... And the drug company Pfizer... Both companies, huge donors to the Clinton Foundation oh. and partners with the Clinton Global Initiative. Huh. Was Mills' role in violation of government ethics rules? Did she have permission from the U.S. State Department? Did State even know the trip was taking place? Nope. CNN has asked the U.S. State Department all of these questions. This was the response. Federal employees are permitted to engage in outside personal activities within the scope of the federal ethics rules. Oh, man, they're so protecting Hillary. State spokesperson tells CNN all federal employees are subject to federal ethics laws and regulations, including rules pertaining to conflicts of interest. That vague response raises more questions that are just not being answered. Not to CNN, but worse, says one watchdog group, not to the Republican-led Senate Judiciary Committee, which has a right to know. Congress has a rightful... Uh, right to ask for any information that it wants to from the executive branch of government to keep track of them. And the government should be turning that information over. And when you have a breakdown in that system, we have a breakdown in our democracy. Yep. It's easy to understand why. See that good hug she's got there? That's a good hug. Oh, yeah, good hug. Cheryl Mills was trusted with helping find the next director of the Clinton Foundation. Her relationships with the Clintons goes back decades. I am honored to be here today. 99. On behalf of the president. As Bill Clinton's deputy White House counsel, she defended the then president during impeachment proceedings. I want you to listen to this because this is key to the understanding of the Clintons. They have a very small group of people who stay with them. Cheryl Mills, Uma Abedin, Clinton's personal bodyguard and others. They quit their jobs to stay with the Clintons. So listen to this. They quit their jobs. They move around because they know that when the Clintons get into the next position of power, they'll bring them along. These people have no allegiance to the United States. They are not patriots. They are simply aligned to the Clintons. Listen to this. Uma is even worse. But all we have for this particular episode is our example here. Defended the then president during impeachment proceedings. In 2008, when Hillary Clinton was running for president... Mills was her senior legal campaign advisor. So she worked with Clinton in 99. She defended Bill during the um, a whole blowjob scandal. Yeah. She quits to join up with Hillary yeah. during her campaign. Hi, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And when Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State, Mills left the board of the Clinton Foundation and became Hillary Clinton's chief of staff. So she's in and out of the foundation. So when you're not working directly for the Clintons, they got a job for you. It's at the foundation. And then... When they're back in political power, they pull you out of the foundation and they put you somewhere in the United States government that isn't an elected the, position. The foundation's just a holding tank. That's all it is. It's, it's a holding pattern yeah. until they can put you in a non-elected position. ...of the Clinton Foundation and became Hillary Clinton's chief of staff. Oh, so she goes from being somebody who's participating in a, in a foundation that's right, supposed yep. to be tied to a presidential museum and library to being the 
number two of the Secretary of State? Wow. What the hell is this? ...of the Clinton Foundation and became Hillary Clinton's chief of staff. Now Mills is once again on the board of the Clinton Foundation oh. and was backstage with Hillary Clinton at the Democratic National Convention. The secrecy about the New York trip, the dual roles played by trusted assistants, the mixing of business between state, Clinton Foundation, and its donors, all play into a central theme of Donald Trump's campaign, that politicians, like the Clintons, use government to benefit themselves. These are crooked people. They've you been see crooked again, from the beginning. They tie it all into Trump. So this is an absolutely 100% legitimate report about Clinton, the emails that have just been released, the now ties Trump in there. Between, between the foundation and the State Department while she was heading it, and then they, they wrap it all up with this Trump association, which almost to me implies that if you believe all of this stuff... Then you're with Trump. Exactly. So listen right, to how they, that's what they're... Yeah. Listen to how they position this, because, because it feels like it almost... Like, you don't need to have Trump in this analysis at all. There's no reason to go to Trump after this. You could have ended it right here. Instead, they pivot to Trump and tie it all together to Trump. Played by trusted assistants, the mixing of business between state, Clinton Foundation, and its donors all play into a central theme of Donald Trump's campaign. Well, then he must uh, be, if you believe some of these things about Hillary, that you're a Trump supporter, you dirty, dirty, guilty Democrat. That politicians, like the Clintons, use government to benefit themselves. These are crooked people. See, now that you go to you go to Trump because this is crazy. This is right. extreme. And what they're trying to do, I believe. To be fair, they did the same thing to Bernie, too. They tried sure. to connect Bernie to it. Sure. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, if you are a Democrat and you are undecided about Hillary, like if, if you're one of those that isn't, hasn't even decided to hold their nose and vote, like you just don't like the dog. And maybe you're thinking about that right. asshole Johnson or that, God forbid, that bitch Jill Stein. Screw you. You better vote for Hillary because if you don't, then you're a Donald Trump supporter. The mixing of business between state, Clinton Foundation, and its donors all play into a central theme of Donald Trump's campaign. So if you believe this, you're all playing in right into Trump's hands, you idiot. That politicians, like the Clintons, use government to benefit themselves. That's a crazy Trump theory. And if you think that, then you're no better than Trump. These are crooked people. They've been crooked from the beginning. You look at that foundation... It's pure theft and pure crookedness. You see how they position him as the boogeyman and they make his they take his words and they make you feel guilty for also thinking those same right. things. Wow, I'm I'm thinking like Trump. Yeah. Oh boy. These are crooked people. They've been crooked from the beginning. You look at that foundation. It's pure theft and pure crookedness. Cheryl Mills' attorney says her client was simply doing volunteer work for a charitable foundation. Why does Cheryl Mills not say that directly? Why does the attorney have to say that? She was not paid. The Clinton Foundation also says Mills was not a paid employee. Of course not. It's about being protected for years. It's about coming in and out of government. It's not about getting paid. You do those things as an investment in your future career. That's not about getting paid. Give me a break. Uh, so this is so what that that whole art that whole report was positioned around new leaks that have come out. Well, they're not really leaks. Their emails that have been released early by the State Department. Now to the never-ending story relating to Hillary Clinton's email account and server. A new batch of emails released this week. Many say it provides examples that there were cozy relationships between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation and people who worked within both entities. Joining us now, Chris Farrell, Director of Research and Investigations for Judicial Watch. Now, this was a great guest because 
Judicial Watch. They're the one involved. Arguably the group that's bringing, um, really responsible for bringing to light almost all the content in these emails. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, there's indication that there's these accusations of pay-to-play. But for those folks at home who can't spend the time to go through all those emails, are there distinct examples that you can give us that prove that there is this activity going on, this nefarious activity? The great thing about these records that we've obtained is that they are documents. They're federal government documents, and they're from the principals involved, from Huma Abedin, who is Hillary Clinton's personal assistant for decades now, people like Cheryl Mills, Doug Band, a director of the Clinton Foundation. All these characters are in email communication with each other, and they're arranging things like access to government officials, meetings, contacts. They're leveraging Mrs. Clinton's position as Secretary of State and her inner circle. They're leveraging her official conduct for their benefit financially. And this is the rampant during Hillary's term as Secretary of State. And it perfectly fits in with an example. If you go before her term of Secretary of State, the same exact type of behavior happening, where it's pay to play. You get, you do her a favor, she does you a favor. It does I, not matter. If you're Putin and you want 20% of the uranium supply, you pay to play. See, I, you know, I, I still have an open challenge out there. I don't know if you remember the challenge. I think I threw it down on 198, 197. And I wanted to hear from Hillary supporters and Trump supporters. I wanted to know... Um, wh- through all the evidence and through all the information that's thrown out there, how can you consciously vote for your particular candidate? How can you do it? You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, will blindly support uh, Trump because, you know, they think there's a media bias against him, which, you know, we've seen in many, many ways. But how could you even vote for Trump based on all the lies that he's thrown out there, his racist comments? How could you even vote for Hillary based on uh, her Clinton Foundation, the email scandals, the absolute Benghazi, just, yeah. all these things. And I'm like, I'm, I'm consciously wondering how and why, why? And, you know, with the, the third party coming into play here, the Libertarian Party, I mean, all, all Gary's got to do is play a Hillary clip, play a, a Trump clip and go, there you go. I'm better than those guys. There you go. Yeah. So I, I, I just like, I, I'm still baffled about this, this whole thing. I totally agree. Uh, It really is something I would like to hear more from the people who are totally sold on one of these candidates. Uh, You know who's not sold on uh, either one of these candidates necessarily? Uh, Judge Napolitano. The judge. He thinks some of this foundation stuff um, might actually be more of a smoking gun than the emails. Or on the legal implications of all this, Fox senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, you're listening to this. We're shaking our heads going, how much, how much, this is almost textbook if quid it, pro quo. Right. If, it weren't, if it weren't so tragic, it would almost be laughable that the right hand permits the left hand to engage in this. What we have here, not only from Tom's work, and by the way, he's a, a single-handed, dedicated person who exposed all this by filing his Freedom of Information Act lawsuits. What we see here is a regular, consistent pattern of foreign governments, foreign entities, and foreign persons coming to the Clinton State Department and asking for favors, favors she is lawfully allowed to give, an exemption from this rule, permission to do that, the opportunity to purchase this. And then after the favor is issued, formally using the formal power that the federal law gives to the Secretary of State, huge contributions are made to the Clinton Foundation, and in some cases, huge speaking fees to Bill Clinton himself by huge. 
$750,000, to former President Bill Clinton, the husband of the Secretary of State, for a 35 minute speech. Let me tie that up even further. These things happened after 2009. Right. Bill Clinton is, has not been president for nine years at that point. Right. Yet his speaking fee went from $100,000 to $200,000, up to 500000 and above, nine years after he left. But it happens to coincide with Hillary Clinton's time, 11 of the 13, of course. during her time as Of course, because he's not only producing a speech, yeah. he's producing some exemption from American uh, federal regulation or some opportunity in America for these people that are hosting the speech that only his wife can give. Uh, Eric, in my view, this is an easier case for the FBI to prove than the email case was. It's easier for oh. the public to understand. Oh. It's easier for the for a jury to understand. Oh, circumstantial yeah. at this point, Judge, though. I mean, you and I have this idea that, yes, he, his, his fee went up double and triple during her time, but uh, do you, yeah. is there a smoking gun? As if as the DOJ were serious about this, they would indict some of the people who got these favors. And yep, exactly. Right there. Right there. Those people would spill the beans on what their negotiations were with Bill and his people and what their negotiations were with Hillary and, and her people if they were serious about it right but that doesn't seem to be happening no. Loretta no. Lynch too much protection you know speaking of this whole Clinton email scandal thing uh, you know this all does come down to some honest reporting from time to time that has to take place to get answers and uh, I take you to a State Department briefing that happened just a couple of days ago trying to just get you know the straight the straight answers this is just a raw feed of the State Department briefing from uh, their uh, daily YouTube posting. Do you have any response to criticism by some that suggests there was a relationship between uh, the Clinton Foundation and the State Department at the time? Now, they're asking uh, 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 Kennedy Trudeau, who is Trudeau. Yeah, Trudeau. Uh, the, same, same Trudeau? Yeah. Spokesperson wow. for the State Department. There was an email that came out in this recent set that uh, is between the an executive at the Clinton Foundation and Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills where he is requesting to set up a, a meeting between a billionaire donor and the U.S. ambassador to Lebanon. Do you so if you are a donor to the Clinton Foundation, you could simply email Hillary Clinton and get a response from UMA that would just organize everything for you. So if you've donated to the Clinton Foundation, you have access. Is there a minimum amount that I need to I know, to right? We should maybe like do a, a GoFundMe. Any response to... So, you know, very similar to what I said before, I'm not going to speak to specific emails. However, I think you guys know State Department officials are regularly in touch with a wide variety wide. of um, outside individuals. Yeah, totally, totally wide variety of people who would have the name Clinton Foundation while our Secretary of State is named Hillary Clinton's totally normal. And organizations, including businesses, nonprofits, NGOs, think tanks, you know, the nearly 55,000 pages of former Secretary Clinton's emails released by the department over the past year give a sense of the wide range of individuals, both inside and outside government. A wide range of the political influence. I'm just reading this response. And department my officials yeah. are in contact with on a range of subjects. So you don't feel like this e email or... You don't feel like there was impropriety uh, in the relationship between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department? We talked to a wide range of people. At That's not an answer. That's not an answer. My level at various levels. 
I talk to a lot of people, yeah. and I talk so Clinton Foundation, no. In the department, NGOs, think tanks, business leaders. You just said that. You know, um, experts. On- oh, experts. They talk to experts. In a variety of <laughs> Except in this. Her question. And, 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 and importantly. <laughs> That's not answering your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's Matt from the AP. Yep. In this case, Secretary Clinton made a pledge that she would not personally or substantially in any way involve herself with the Clinton Foundation. Did you know that? That when she joined the State Department, she made a I pledge? I remember that. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. So it's not just any outside organization. It's a specific organization that she said ahead of time she wouldn't have contact with. So doesn't that – doesn't this then seem to violate that pledge? So – Again, to reiterate, you know, department officials are in touch with a wide range of individuals. I'd note that former Secretary Clinton's ethics agreement did not preclude other State Department officials from having contact with Clinton Foundation. So because Uma and Cheryl Mills were the ones that did the actual technical communication, she can make this claim. Even though – and I, I, I will play – we will play this clip – you can literally see that Uma grabs Hillary's BlackBerry and responds from Hillary's BlackBerry to people's emails and answers their questions. She gets to have the esoteric explanation of, well, it wasn't me. I didn't personally involve these people from the Clinton Foundation. Oh, it was my geez. assistance. Yeah, isn't that something? That's that's, that's what she's relying wow. on. That That's what Trudeau right here is, is relying on. ethics agreement did not preclude other State Department officials from having contact with Clinton Foundation staff. Okay. Can, you, can you at least try, try to answer a, a, Abigail's question, which was, <laughs> has the department looked into this and determined that there was no impropriety? As the department is regularly in touch with people across the whole spectrum. You're not answering the question. The question is whether or not you've looked into this, This the, the, the building has looked into it and determined that everything was okay, that there was nothing wrong. We feel confident in our ability and our past practice of reaching out to a variety of sources and being responsive to requests. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you, am I not speaking English? Oh, guys, right? Like, God, I love him. Why are you not hearing me? This is very simple. Of reaching out to a variety of sources and being responsive to requests. I'm sorry, are you, am I not speaking English? Is this, I mean, is it coming across as a form? I'm not asking you if, no one is saying it's not okay or it's bad for the department to get a broad variety of, of, of input from different people. Ask, the question is whether or not you determined that there was nothing improper here. I just can't. <laughs> she did not say that, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> funny enough, we already For have her on the soundbar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just can't. I just can't. Donald Trump shaking up his campaign leadership team again for the second time in two months. Shaking up the leadership. That's the meme they want you to take. Shaking up the leadership. Now, do you think it's any coincidence that after these connections were made, that all of a sudden Donald Trump, Donald Trump's main campaign guy is stepping aside? Yeah. People want to criticize Donald Trump. Senior advisor Kelly Conway confirming that she has been promoted to campaign manager. And the executive chairman of Breitbart News, Steve Bannon, is now the campaign's chief executive. Not a bad lineup and probably better than the last guy. The campaign's embattled chairman, Paul Manafort, him, will stay on despite his relationship with Trump going sour in recent weeks. The campaign is doing really well. It's never been so well united. Trump is very plugged in. He's very connected. The campaign's working, contrary to what the media is saying. 
Manafort is under investigation by Ukrainian authorities for allegedly receiving millions in illegal payments from the country's former pro-Russian ruling party. There, there literally could not be a more illegitimate authority in the world to meet right now than the current Ukrainian government. <laughs> like when the Ukrainian government says something's the truth, like who the hell? Right. These people are a bunch of stooges. They were brought in at the last moment. They were set up by Victoria Newland. Who the hell are these people? And who the hell cares what they say? This is the second major shakeup for Trump's team. Back in June, he fired Corey Lewandowski weeks before the Republican convention. He's a good man. We've had great success. He's a friend of mine. But I think it's time now for a different kind of a campaign. A lot of changes for the Trump campaign. I mean, this is kind of a big changeup less than three months out. I will give it that. Episode 205, one of my favorite moments in all of the email scandals when the Reddit guy was exposed, the Reddit IT guy. All right, so we got an email in asking if we were going to talk about Hillary's IT guy talking to Reddit. <laughs> this to Reddit. is a hell of a story, and I, I wondered if Fox would cover it because I love the Clinton email story. No other, like, CNN ain't doing it, MSNBC ain't they're touching it. They're not going to touch it. Fox, however, they're talking about Let's it. Let's start out in Washington right now where he refuses to talk to Congress, but apparently the IT specialist who maintained Hillary Clinton's private email server has no problem asking the Internet how to wipe it down. On advice of counsel, I respectfully decline to answer and assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. Well, Internet sleuth now saying that this Reddit post from the user Stone Tier could actually be from that man, Paul Cabetta. You know what's great about this? Uh is uh, since this report, like, they've linked his Reddit username to his Etsy page, right. which also has his name and his email yeah. address on it. It's on his blog. Um, and people, once this started to break, people figured he'd go in and try to... And they were recording him, deleting everything. They screen capped yeah. him going through and purging his Reddit history in real time. So we have videos of him trying to clear out his Reddit history, too. <laughs> oh my God. It says, I need to strip out a VIP's... Very VIP email address from a bunch of archived email. Basically, they don't want the VIP's email address exposed to anyone. Well, that message has now been deleted. That post date suspiciously matches dates when Clinton was using that private email server. Actually, the date is extremely important because this guy goes to Reddit after Congress issued a request for discovery, which is uh, in that request. It says, don't touch the system. We want to look at it. That guy did that after that was issued, which means he had intention to manipulate the data after Congress had had, had, had already issued a discovery order. So yep. that, I think, fundamentally underscores an intent to deceive and whatever they call it. I can't remember what commies, uh, but an intent to uh, violate the law. That seems yep. pretty clear. Uh, yes, it does. And the dude was on Reddit like any other dude <laughs> asking the question. Well, which shows you a lot, actually. <laughs> Unfiltered 211. Coming up next, the moment when the FBI reopened their investigation. Let's get into uh, some of this Hillary stuff. Dun, da, da, da. And I, I kind of want to give us some context, just so we get an idea of the scope of the problem that Hillary could be in, is she could have been discussing something with the president, and that pretty much anything would be classified. Right. This goes all the way to the top. The WikiLeaks dump is not the only headache for the Clinton campaign today. Newly released FBI files show President Obama used a pseudonym to exchange emails with then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Barry 420. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge is here. Hello, Catherine. Well, thank you, Britt. President Obama has a highly secured BlackBerry that he uses to get emails, and it has two functions. One is to mask his physical location when he's using it, and the second is to make sure every email, every text message, every phone call 
has been vetted and pre-approved for him to receive is called whitelisting. So if you or I had the president's email, if we sent him a message, it would be blocked and it would bounce back. So the question is, did he receive the Clinton emails on the BlackBerry? And if so, when did his team direct the White House communications office to accept that email and whitelist it because it's there could be a lot of connections and I and the FBI might have something huge that they're getting into and of course the Clinton campaign is trying to downplay it. There is no case here. You notice how CNN adds that crowd noise in the background? That's not real audio. That they've they've sweetened the crowd cheer. Yeah. Listen to it. There is no case here. They weren't cheering like I saw the original stream. They there there was clapping and stuff like that, but right. that, that is a fake sound effect that CNN adds to make it and sound they, like and then they add in the jump zooms to make it more dramatic yeah. and to speed it up. And they, so it may make it sound like Hillary has a bunch of support and then they do the jump cuts to make it more dramatic. And because there because there's a background soundtrack of the audience that's fake, they can cut out pauses in the audio and you don't notice it because the it's, background yeah, track remains constant, consistent. Right. There is no Hillary Clinton and her campaign firing back at FBI Director James Comey, slamming his decision to notify Congress of a new investigation into thousands of emails found on a computer belonging to the estranged husband of a top Clinton aide, Huma Abedin. Now, notice they're not saying it's ridiculous that this investigation is happening. What they're pissed off about is the way it was announced, right? which is interesting. And uh, also another point to your Unfiltered show, it was months ago, months and months ago, we said, pay attention to the name Uma Abedin. That's going to come up again before the election's over. Totally called it. Clinton aide, Uma Abedin. Clinton's campaign turning the tables on Comey. It's impossible to view this as anything less than a blatant double standard. Seizing on reports that Comey refused to publicly comment on potential ties between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia. On Sunday, Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid accused Comey of sitting on, quote, explosive information for Trump's Russia connections without offering proof. CNN cannot corroborate any of these reports. But U.S. officials do tell CNN that Russia is behind hacks that could potentially influence the U.S. election. Uh, Meanwhile, Trump is capitalizing on... They just they just said potentially influence the election. That's what they just said in that CNN report. Yeah, they they yeah. just said that. Is it, so uh, Putin even says, uh, is the American public so stupid? Are they a banana republic that they think that I could somehow influence them? Do they have no faith in their own democracy? Right. Uh, yeah, I just... Yeah. Wow. They try to, they try to make it about... I, I just find it uh, hilarious that at first, you know, when uh, Mr. Comey, my good friend, says, you know, hey, you know, we don't have enough uh, to put charges against her. The Clinton, great. Yeah, the Clinton great. campaign was like, you know what? He's Comey is sp- speaking the truth. He is I on might, it. I might have a clip on that. Actually, I want to finish off this one. Uh, That's, yeah, Abedin's I agree. attorneys responding, saying in a statement, quote, from the beginning, Ms. Abedin has complied fully and voluntarily with State Department and law enforcement requests and reiterating Abedin only learned of the emails on Wiener's computer on Friday from the press. Clinton continuing to apologize. It sounds like it's possible that what it was is like an entire like Outlook account was set up on there and it downloaded all I, of the emails. I have a theory, but it's just a theory, and I've heard this theory in other places too. Mm-hmm. So as many people may know or may not know, Uma and Mr. Wiener are in the middle of a divorce. Hold on. I know they're estranged. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm all yeah, up to speed. I, I, I am doubtful they're actually going to get divorced. Oh, you think? 
There's some legal things that change if they get divorced that are much more convenient. It's probably the same reason Bill and Hillary are still married. Uh, I follow you. I follow you. But I was I was thinking, though, where she goes, well, I never use that computer or whatever the case may be. That I was thinking about this, too. That Actually, it doesn't even have to be about divorce. What if Wiener just knows that the Clintons kill people and he just needs an insurance policy? This was his, his Trump card? Yeah. And you know why? You know, he checked himself into sex rehab today because he doesn't want to be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> He's but, the only place he can go where he won't get shot. That's true. On, during wow. a, when a robbery goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I thought or about she this. she was being lazy one day. She log, you know, she grabs his MacBook or whatever it is, his Lenovo, logs into Outlook. It downloads a copy of everything in her, out, in her exchange account. She's got a account. huge PST. Then it goes offline. They delete all of the emails off the server, off everybody's computers. They free, she doesn't even remember that she set up Outlook on Wiener's computer. That's right. And then ever, they have a copy of everything. So everything they thought, all the Yogi emails. It's all there. It's all there. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. And of course, the Justice Department, your good friend. My Buddy. Loretta Lynch tried to stop this whole thing before it got to Congress. An FBI source confirmed to Fox that top Justice Department officials tried to stop Director James Comey from informing Congress he was reigniting the investigation of Hillary Clinton, warning Comey it violated two department policies, commenting on an ongoing probe and taking action that could influence an election. The FBI source said while Comey reports to Attorney General Loretta Lynch, he does not play by cautious mother may I rules and took Lynch at her word. We take it seriously and we handle it independently, thoroughly, fairly. A senior law enforcement official added Comey felt compelled to act because the FBI found over 10,000 of top Clinton aide Huma Abedin's emails from a laptop she has shared with estranged husband Anthony Weiner. The L.A. Times is reporting the new Aberdeen emails were not to and from Clinton. And top Democrats in Congress jumped on that today to write to Comey and Lynch demanding a more complete accounting of, quote, information from your career investigators and prosecutors in order to debunk these conspiracy theories and correct the public record. I, of course, they're both Democrats. I suspect that uh, that this is probably not going to get much more resolution uh, between no. now and the election. I, I find it very and, and I sent you an audio message. Yeah. And right when this broke. And you know, Hillary wanted wanted oh, they should release whatever information they have. And I and I said to you, and I'm paraphrasing, that she's freaked out because she knows there's some stuff on there. Now she's she's throwing this face. She at, doesn't know what they have versus what they exactly. might not have. Exactly, and then that's why she's she's like, oh, release everything, release it, because she's freaked out. She's really freaked out, and I don't think I've ever really seen her freaked out. And so she's, she's trying to get them to show their cards before she shows her cards. Absolutely, and so she's getting all of her Democratic buddies in line to say, hey, I need you to help me fight this because we need we need some info. We need a, we need to know a little bit. We and, need to and know Trump can't win, and Trump can't win. Uh, but I, right. let's play this clip. There's something interesting that they're doing that I think could blow the whole thing, could ruin all of it. Oh. That agents at FBI facilities in Quantico are now combing over thousands of emails on a laptop belonging to disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner and his estranged wife, Huma Abedin, key aide to Hillary Clinton. Just eight days from the election, the FBI has now obtained a warrant to search those emails found in a separate investigation of Weiner for allegedly sexting with a minor. Officials tell CNN that Comey was made aware of the emails in mid-October, but only went to hmm. Congress with the information after he was given a fuller briefing on Thursday. I think that's kind of interesting. 
I wonder, there's, I got something else I want to talk about. Okay. Today, the White House walking a fine line, praising Director Comey's character. Director Comey is a man of integrity. He's a man of principle. He's a man who is well regarded by senior officials in both parties. But communicating the importance of FBI traditions, limiting public discussion of ongoing investigations. Tradition and policy. Tradition and policy. Why would he go out of his way with all of this tradition and policy? To Why is he notifying Congress if he doesn't even know what the emails have? See, I got the impression, and from because I read his statement that he released on Friday, and my impression was... You know, he testified in front of Congress, which is a legal record of what he knew and what he had. He was brought information to his attention as of Thursday. He got a briefing on Thursday. He didn't sit on it. He didn't wait on it. He said, hey, we have some new information that have come to light and we need to go into it. And and if you're trying to prosecute one of the most powerful politicians in the world, let alone U.S. history that is running for the president right now, you probably want to be as transparent as possible. I grant you all of that. However... I bet politically he could have done this without notifying Congress publicly and everyone like in the Justice Department yeah. and up to the Obama administration would have backed him. He didn't have to do this. That's true. I have a theory. What's your theory? And I haven't talked about it yet for weeks on this show. Okay. And finally, I got a little audio that helps put it in perspective. All right. For weeks and weeks and weeks, I have been reading different posts saying that internally – the FBI was revolting. Have you heard this? They yeah, were, I, I heard about this. Cause, record cause, resignations. Cause, yeah, because they, they were upset at the fact that they had all this evidence against Hillary and he wasn't following through on it. And they essentially, what Comey did was they he now set the bar so that future Secretary of States could do something like this. Right. And it was, it, it, it brought the agency down a level that they were upset about. And I... I un, I come I have come to the understanding that he was actually starting to feel the pressure. That agents at FBI oh, facility. Sorry, that was the last. Clip. I agree with that. Yeah, agents at the FBI facility. Now, okay, yeah. Now here is uh, this is an author Ed Klein who's very familiar with the situation, and he goes into detail. FBI. Well, after FBI Director James Comey recommended against indicting Hillary Clinton or charges, that is to say, and considered the investigation into her email over back in July, he was reportedly overwhelmed with resignation requests and regret. This, according to a close source of Comey's, who spoke to writer Ed Klein, who joins us right now live. His book is called Guilty of as Sin. Ed, nice to have you. Great to be here. Okay. Um, so ever since July, apparently the, the rank-and-file FBI agents were really steamed at him, and inside the FBI, the, to- the atmosphere is toxic. When James Comey would walk down the hallways of the FBI and say good morning, right. people wouldn't talk back to him. That's how bad things had been in the FBI. Wow. There's a sense that the that he disgraced the institution. Plus, he's getting burned constantly uh, by conservative media. He's constantly getting burned. So I feel like he felt pressured to step out and say, I'm looking into this. I've been given new evidence. Um, and we do have a little more information supplied by the judge. Just now, with more by phone, is our Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Anna Napolitano. Judge, I mean, what first, just your reaction at 1 o'clock today when you saw this Cross the wires. Well, my reaction is there must be something substantial there uh, that the FBI did not see before. That's what it I is thought, entirely too. entirely feasible that this has to do with whether or not Huma Abedin told the truth when she testified the FBI, to the FBI, or it could be something that was deleted from Mrs. Clinton's servers and the FBI didn't see it. 
My other reaction was from and Director Comey's letter and the fact that he also sent it to the chairs of the intelligence committees as well as the congressional judiciary committees is this probably does involve national security. Mm-hmm. And when FBI agents looked at it, they did not know for sure if it was classified or not. And they need to confer with their colleagues in the intelligence community in order to make that determination. And it's probably they didn't know because the markings have been removed. Yeah. And here's what it could happen is even if they don't get Hillary, I think they're going to get Uma. And if they if you take out Uma Abedin, that will cripple Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. Uma. So you can you can you can look this up. But there are there are lots of people that say that uh, Uma Abedin is is Cl- uh, Clinton's external storage. She knows all of the connections between different people. She understands calendars, how to schedule things, who means who needs to get paid off for what, who who's still owed a favor. She keeps all of it clear for Hillary. And without her, she is going to be lost in the White House. So that could be that could be bad. That could be really bad. And, I, you know, you got to wonder if the Clinton campaign's thinking maybe we should just publish the emails. Maybe we should just ask what's on the computer. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, where Hillary Clinton campaigned this week. Joining me now from Clinton headquarters in Brooklyn, New York, to discuss Friday's shocker is Clinton campaign manager Robbie Look at that, look at that mug. Robbie, what's uh, your reaction to FBI so Director Comey's announcement and why do you think he did it? Chris, well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, we were very surprised uh, by this letter. And what we're asking at this point is that Director Comey just get all the information uh, out on the table, all of it, so that the American people can There's judge for themselves. That's what you were commenting on. That's the line right there. Yeah. That's the, and it goes back and forth. That's the official line. But, uh, right. yeah, you, you, you mentioned, remember in the past when they really loved Comey? Oh, yeah. Democrats talked about James Comey before Friday. Here it is. There was an extensive, as you know, Brett, investigation by the FBI under the direction of a wonderful uh, and tough career public servant, Jim Comey. This is a great man. We are very privileged in our country to have him uh, be the director of the FBI. No one can question the integrity, the competence. And he's somebody. What's great about all three of these, Reed and yeah, Pelosi. They all came out yes, yes, yes. with yes. the highest uh, standards of integrity. I'm going to continue to be scrupulous about not commenting on it just because I think Director Comey could not have been more exhaustive. Amazingly. Some Republicans who were praising you just days ago for your independence, for your integrity. Despite your impeccable reputation. You get the point. You get the point. The music gets a little old, but you get the point. They just went on and on just throwing praise on him. And then. <laughs> yeah, and then now this. So here's on D, here's the details on, on what's next, essentially, which I think is kind of interesting to think about. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harris live in D.C. on this, and Josh Ernest had a lot to say about it yesterday. Catherine, today, uh, take us through or give us a guide as to what's next for the FBI now. Well, well, FBI forensic computer experts have developed a software program with key search terms, what analysts call taglines. This is what I'm worried about. This whole thing is going to be based on some software program that they've developed. See, yeah. I mean, first this off. This is bad. He, well, here's the thing, Chris. I mean, you know this. I mean, I've heard numbers like in the upper 600,000 range. That's what I've heard too, yeah. And to be honest, it, without using a program of some sort, it would take literally years to go through all these I emails. I just am really worried about this. I have I no faith when it comes to the FBI's Just use star, you know, period star. <laughs> program with key search terms, what analysts call taglines, and this process of sifting through thousands of records on Anthony Weiner's computer has begun. 
The warrant will now allow FBI investigators to move beyond the metadata on Wiener's computer, which had positive hits for State Department as well as Clinton server emails to search the contents of these messages. Law enforcement sources familiar with the process have told Fox News that once the records are identified, a second phase will kick in for mm -hmm. the FBI, known as eyes on. That's a phrase agents use for like physically reading yeah. and reviewing the records. And just like the original email case, classified review, the intel agencies that generated the info have final say on classification. The Justice Department sent this letter late yesterday yes, to Capitol there Hill, it is. to make every resource available to expedite this process, but given the sheer number of records involved, it really is a long <laughs> shot. It will be complete by election day. So uh, for our audio listen. listeners, by the way, uh, Catherine Heritage did show a prop there in the middle. So. In the classic Catherine Heritage style, too, yes. with that uh, that sort of like pivotal uh, elbow Whip motion. Where she boom, up, yes. Complete by election day. So though. you have exclusive details about uh, what went down over the weekend. What have you learned so far <laughs> on this? Well, the original Clinton email case used a multi-agency national security task force to Whoa. assess the classified material because beyond the criminal matter, the priority is understanding whether sources and methods of intelligence have been compromised and what the fallout is. An intelligence source now tells Fox News that same task force was re-engaged over the weekend with a directive to identify new classified material with analysts working overlapping shifts covering 16 hours a day. Whoa, wow. Analysts understood the FBI director wanted more clarity on the records as well as granularity of the information if by Monday he faced even more pressure from Congress and the White House to update on that letter he sent Friday to Congress. So they have been drilling down yeah. over the weekend even before the warrant was yeah. uh, obtained on Sunday. Holy crap, they're Which taking this seriously. Which shows some major seriousness And that, the, that the fact that they're working with national security agencies and intelligence agencies also, like the judge said, makes me think that there is something serious in there. I... Uh, you know, listening to that, I find it uh, funny because they're talking about one investigation right now. They're talking about the email investigation. There's actually a second investigation going on that's not getting a lot of discussion, and I guess it's a big one, and it's being, it's being run by the number two in charge at the FBI. There is a big investigation going on into the Clinton Foundation, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, that could lead somewhere eventually. So we'll keep an ear out for that. But I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to play Trey Gowdy's response to Harry Reid's attack on uh, on James Comey because I thought it was it was pretty good. That was October one year ago. Joining us from Greenville, South Carolina, Republican Congressman Trey Gowdy, who chaired the House Benghazi Committee, who uncovered the existence of Clinton's personal email account back in March of 2015. That's where this all started. Uh, so, sir, we want to get your take on on the latest developments. There's this letter here from Senate Democratic Minority Leader Harry. Uh, who stepped into the fight over FBI Director James Comey's letter. And writing to Comey yesterday, Reid said this, Your actions in recent months have demonstrated a disturbing double standard for the treatment of sensitive information with what appears to be a clear intent to aid one political party over another. So this oh. is Senator Reid. This, this is the strong... Democratic line. This is the strong Hillary supporters line. In fact, he even ratchets it up here. I'm writing to inform you that my office has determined that these actions may violate the Hatch Act, which bars FBI officials from using their official authority to influence an election. What's your reaction to that? 
Uh, just how laughable uh, that is. Uh, you know, it was the it, it was the attorney general who met with the spouse of the target of an investigation on the tarmac. That's and right. And the president himself prejudged the outcome of the investigation during the pendency of the investigation. And Senator Reid didn't write a letter to either one of them about the Hatch Act. I mean, President Obama is actively campaigning right now for a candidate for president. And that doesn't violate the Hatch Act. So how Jim Comey supplementing his record before Congress violates the Hatch Act is just laughable. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Good for him. So much of 2016 was leading up to the election night. And we were prepared. We had a full Jupiter Broadcasting crew. And I don't know if anyone was truly prepared for the Trump win. No, maybe I'm wrong. But in my local community, in my you know travels for business, no one would admit that they're a Trump voter, voter except for my father-in-law. Yeah, yeah, Fair dude. I, I'd say I'd say better than ninety percent of the people that I know that were voting for Trump didn't want to come out and say it. I right. had to, I, I had to taper my own views to people I've known my entire life. Right, because it's an unacceptable position to have in business. I mean, I I, I said I was a libertarian, and I am a libertarian. I actually did yeah. vote for Johnson, but. I have a feeling that a good percentage of those folks I talked to kind of lied, right? They said, oh, well, I'm a libertarian or I'm not going to vote or whatever. No, 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 no. Right, no, 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 and they no, voted no. for Trump. And this is why the numbers, if you look at the polls, this should have been a, a hill dog landslide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you look right. at, at the media and, and – and, and what was being reported. And I, for a lot, for, I'd say for the last two weeks, I think I've kind of suspected that. And, and like I said, you know, it, it really, it kind of hit home for me when I was down in Minneapolis, a larger city. And, uh, and I had thought about, oh, maybe I should put a bumper sticker on or something like that. And I thought, are you kidding me? Go to a city hmm. of a couple million people with a Trump bumper sticker? No way. No way. So, sounds like get broken out. so Pennsylvania is going to Trump. Michigan is going to Trump. How do you know that? Hang on. I'm looking my, at I'm looking darling. at CNN right now. I'm looking at CNN right now. I got them up on my board. One of the things that I thought was the, the sort of overweening arrogance of a lot of elites were the terribly off-base wow. descriptions of Donald Trump. That he's a racist wow. and a xenophobe and he's he's this and he's that. Here is a guy that I felt Chris right Fisher's from the get-go was a highly successful, like highly accomplished businessman who knew how to relate to average people, to working-class Americans. And the problem is they believed their own message, and they were totally wrong. Well, there's still a lot of people out there in the country tonight who still have that yes, belief yes. about Donald Trump, Van. Well, look, first of all, you know, congratulations, both of you guys were... We're not uh, there yet. Uh, well, well <laughs> right. you're further than anybody said you would be. And I, I have enough uh, uh, class, and I was raised well enough to say, uh, when you outdo... Yes, sir, thank you. When you outdo expectations, you know, good for you. But... <laughs> There's another side. Sounds amazing. People have talked about a miracle. Uh, I'm hearing about a nightmare. Uh, It's hard to be a parent tonight for a lot of us. It's hard to be a parent tonight. You tell your kids, don't be a bully. You tell your kids, don't be a bigot. Let me me help you with this. If you are looking for this presidential race to define your morals and value sets that you're teaching your kids, you have problems far beyond the next leader of our country. Far beyond. Whether Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump is is president, my rules are still my rules. So he's going with the think of the children line. That's amazing, guys. I hate that line. I hate that have, line. Uh, uh, that is the immigrants. That's the line that, that the government tonight. trots out when they want to justify this horrible surveillance things. or whatever. I, 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 this was a rebellion against the elites. True, it was a complete reinvention of 
of, of politics and polls. It's true. But it was also something else. We've talked about race. I mean, we've talked about everything but race tonight. We've talked about income. We've talked about class. We've talked about region. We haven't talked about race. This was a white lash. This was a white no. lash against a changing Why country. Why does it have to be race? It was a Why? white lash against a black president in part. And that's wow. the part where the pain comes. Campaigns in a row. And Donald Trump has a responsibility racism? tonight to come out and reassure people that he is going to be the president of all the people who he insulted and offended and, and, and brushed aside. Yeah, when you say you, know, you want yeah, you know, all, is, of those, the, all of those deplorables. That is, that's disgusting. You know what? I don't like Trump, but you know what? This is not a white lash. This is a common people versus the elites. And the common people frankly have had on us and i was a bernie supporter i changed political parties to vote for bernie in the primary michael moore was right michael moore called this michael moore right. called michael this. moore called it mm-hmm. right this is this is not about race this is about class this is about you know this is about poor kids go to college take out student loans and can't file bankruptcy to discharge their student loans when they can't pay them that's, I that's ridiculous that i yeah. had no idea how deep the divisions are, how, how real the pain is. And, and, and let me say, echoing Van, Kaylee and, and Jeffrey were right about that. You saw it in a way that I didn't see it in the data, and you deserve to, to have credit for that. And maybe Hillary hangs on and wins, maybe Mr. Trump wins. We still don't know. It's really in the balance. Right. But irrespective, the pain, and Van just gave beautiful, poetic voice beautiful. to the pain poetic. on our side. <laughs> but Donald Trump has given voice to some really spectacular pain on his side. And, and that, that's, I think, what's causing this. When, when, when Jeb Bush, who you mentioned, got trounced by Trump, he said, I don't do anger very well. Well, this is a time of anger. Of course, that anger comes from pain. And Trump saw that, and, uh, and Donald, he gave voice to it. He also reached across lines, though, that Republican candidates- Oh, geez, it's so disgusting in its own way, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. This is worse than any demagoguery they accused Trump of. And I, again, I'm not Noah. Noah can go defend Trump all day, all night long, but- it is not about race. It's about peop- the little man getting fucked over and over again and saying that, you know, well, sorry, we own the property. You're the laborer. Hang on. Okay. I, I need to read the Communist Manifesto again before I finish. And then when you're okay, and when you're done with the Communist Manifesto, then take a look at the part where it says government-run education, government-run health care, abolish private property, and then tell me if those things align more with the Constitution or with the Communist Manifesto. And Donald Trump's the one that wants to to, to get rid of Obamacare. I, well, I mean, I'm not not following. All right. Well, well, why shouldn't I be able to say, you know, if the government wants to fund my son's education? That I, you know, I'm Catholic. My wife is a Christian, but not Catholic. Mm-hmm. And if there is a Christian school, why can't he go to the Christian school? And why shouldn't the capital that is already allocated in my taxes mm-hmm. be sent to that Christian school rather than the government school? I agree. Voucher pro. I would 100% back a voucher pro. Right, program. vouchers. Right, that's what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, I 100% right. agree. I, I I don't understand how you have to be a, you know, voracious conservative. To have that view, it seems like if you had a fair allocation of capital to use rather than capital to ideology, we would have a much more balanced and, and frankly, you know, government employees would be far more accountable to the public, which is who they are fucking working for. I think. Well, how about this? I mean, what I if think, we just took capital? 
Oh, hold on. I think one thing I think we should I think one thing we should keep in mind is you guys are going down a path that is being sparked by a conversation that will be completely invalid in three days once we have actual data. And the data will show that all different types voted for Trump. There's no way you have a landslide like this without all the different demographics voting. That's just no, a, I agree, a simple but, numbers. But, but so it, this is a false argument. No, no, that no, that is not a false argument. That's my point. Is that it is not a white, black, Italian, Irish, Spanish thing. It is a, you know what? I'm paying a heavy price in taxes for these services, and I am not winning. And Tim Cook and company are paying no fucking taxes. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Chris, that Tim Cook and Ireland are mutually appealing the EU tax uh, yeah. judgment against mm-hmm. Apple mm-hmm. because God, you know, it's well, really it is important. A, it is an, I, well, they're, no, I mean, no, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. It is really important that I pay my 25 to 40 percent income tax rate on the profits of my S Corp. But Apple pays 5 percent. Right, but that is the that's Ireland's law. I mean, that's the that's the law. Fuck Ireland. What do I care about Ireland? <laughs> no, I no. I think I, you, listen, mean, I, you mean the listen, EU. Fuck the EU. That's I, what you mean. You mean the I, EU. Listen, fuck you know the EU. Here, 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 Mike. Here, how's this? How's this? How's this for a plan? Okay. First of all, what I personally would advocate for is just a flat tax. Everyone pays ten percent, and then that way, if you make ten billion dollars, you will pay more than somebody who makes a hundred dollars because that's how percentages work. But here, here's here's an idea. If liberal, if rich liberal progressives like George Soros really want to put their money where their mouth is. How about this? They always want to tax the rich, the rich and the wealthy, right? The millionaires and the billionaires. But they set those thresholds at like one million or maybe two million. So how about this? Anyone over five million, anyone before five million dollars pays a Reagan era tax rate. Anyone over five million dollars pays a Obama era tax rate plus one percent for every million above five million. So at six million dollars, you're paying, you know, forty uh, percent something in there, and you keep on going to the point that when you're around like twelve million dollars, you're paying like what eighty. 80% in taxes or something? Something absurd. And then, they can, then, they can pay, then they can afford to pay. I mean, because really, let are you going to tell me? Harder. Gonna, let me hit you even me, harder. You're not going to tell no, no, me let, that you can't live on $5 million a year? Is that really that hard? Let me hit you even harder. If you are Apple, if you are Google, if you are Microsoft, and you would like to have your headquarters in the United States, and by headquarters, I mean the majority of your employees, <laughs> you will pay federal corporate income tax. Right. Period. I don't give a I'll fuck what deal you have Again, with you. They came to me Asia. when Bush was running for about to run for president. Thank like you. 1999, they Trump. said, the governor really likes you as a state police. He's going to be president soon. We want you to say nice stuff about him tonight. And I didn't. And then I was at a Mexican food restaurant, and Bush and Rick Perry were there. He was governor. This has <laughs> happened in front of my crew. My uh, dancers saw it. I know you don't know. Like, Alex, I was at Bush's voice. I appreciate you being nicer. That shows how they try to, like, collect talk show hosts. Not that I was that important. Yeah, I don't care. I want to make this clear. I don't care about sniffing the jock of some politician or some president. With Trump, he's the wow. outsider. He's the unicorn. He did it. He won. He fought them when they stole the, you know, tried to steal the nomination. He did everything right. He scared them. And then for me, though, I'll be honest with you. It's better ecstasy than bagging the prom queen. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that. Wow. That from the time I was a sophomore, I got the prom queen every year. I, it's <laughs> ten times better. I, 
It's oh, like so yeah, ethereal. I, I cannot I believe that Trump tuned into reality. He loves America. His sons love America. They're retweeting our stuff every day. Uh-huh. We're in sync. So I it's love fun. them. We're doing it, and I feel the spirit rising. This is so cool. Cut taxes. Make us wealthy. Be you know, bring people together. This is like the rediscovery of America. I, I know I'm ranting. It's just. It's it's so satisfying. I don't want to be recognized by Hollywood. I don't want to be recognized by a bunch of scum. I can't quite tell, but I think he's feeling good right now. What do you guys think? You, you know think- what? I'm going to fold because I, I thought I was going on a crazy nationalistic, uh, you know, communist rant there. But obviously, Alex Jones is just doing a much better job. Yeah, well, his, that's that's definitely his uh, his thing there. That's definitely his thing. All right. So I'm going to pull up my figures, and I might be willing to fold and let you go to California. <laughs> here's my here's my last here's my last question before we get off the air. My last question to you is, what do you gentlemen think, uh, in hindsight being 2020, of the DNC's decision to screw Bernie Sanders out of the nomination and elect Hillary Clinton? That was their would fatal decision, hand- right? That was the fatal decision. Handed this election, handed this election hands down with the, with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders I think it was suicide. Bernie Sanders would have won uh, two times hands over. Down. Yeah. yeah, this we would have been done at ten o'clock. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they. This is what you get for hitching your wagon to the Clintons. Really, this is what you get. This is what you get. Who doesn't hitch their wagon to the Clintons and eventually get burned? We're about to see Uma even get burned. Who doesn't? Yeah, poor they, boy Seth, who got killed in D.C. Oh, everybody sorry. gets burned when you when you dance with the Clintons. You get burned every single time because they always get involved in scandals. <laughs> One of our most recent episodes is one that's really important to me, the Dakota Access Pipeline. All right, so let's move to the pipeline. Uh, let's give you some context to show you. Let you know what's going on. Some little drone footage. Very different views from the front line where protesters want the Dakota oil pipeline route moved away from the Standing Rock Reservation. There's no dispute. Earlier this week, in frigid weather, law enforcement sprayed demonstrators with powerful blasts of Needs water. Font. Police say demonstrators set fires and tried to storm past their roadblock. But protesters accused police of dangerous tactics, not just the spraying, but firing concussion grenades, rubber bullets, and injuring hundreds of demonstrators. The father of Sophia Lewanski, a 21-year-old protester, says an explosion nearly cost his daughter her arm. Sophia is undergoing surgery. Wow. Yeah, it's the the, blow, the blowback, the private security, there's dogs there. Uh, we'll get to all of this. Clashes between police and North Dakota Access Pipeline's protesters have again led to arrests and serious injuries after police used what have been described as riot control techniques against demonstrators. Absolutely. Protesters. Uh, they have look at those look at those mace jars. You see the size. Those are like those are those are the size of fire extinguishers. That's what you find at Costco. That's like the industrial <laughs> yeah, size. Yeah, the cop, I mean, Costco. Costco size. Yeah, yeah. Military police Costco. The Standing Rock Indian Reservation in North Dakota are attempting to stop construction of a billion dollar pipeline. They believe the project could pollute the environment as well as destroy the tribe's sacred burial sites. Police have repeatedly used tear gas, rubber bullets, and water cannon to disperse the crowds. One of the activists described how they stood unarmed against the police, army, and national guard, who were all armed to the teeth. I was like walking through the- We are going up unarmed water protectors. I'm with my three-year-old daughter half the time, going up against army, national guard, police from seven different states, GS4 and Tiger Swan mercenary private private security. security. They're tier one, high level, highly trained, militarized 
just back from Afghanistan and Iraq. Jesus. Mercenaries out there against us. That is, that's, an, that's a very intense thing to think about now. I believe also there's some shenanigans as far as this pipeline going through the river when the Army Corps told them that would be illegal and they're still choosing to do it anyways. Uh, and My issue that I, I've been running into and in hmm. trying to get more information about this, and I'm hoping we got more. Is, oh, yeah, we, we got more. Good, good. It is the fact that it's very hard to find out is the protests – uh, justified, you know, is 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 there really something going on? And the only reason why I ask that is, you see protesting groups who will protest just to protest or to cause a disruption, not really go for the. Cause. And I think it's also likely that when anything gets this big and with this much attention, you get groups that might have outside funding or interests. And we've already we've already seen that with Trump versus Clinton. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's actually happening now with uh, with the uh, protest there too. But yeah, let's look at a couple more clips and then let's ask that question. All right. Protesters near the Dakota Access Pipeline in North Dakota are ignoring orders to leave their camp despite bitter cold and snow. Michelle Miller is there and filed this a short time ago. Nor the conditions here are simply brutal. That's why the governor of North Dakota says he has issued a mandatory evacuation. More, for the more than 5,000 people who are camped out here wow. at the Achote Fekoan camp. What we can tell you is some of the people we spoke with say they're not budging. The governor's order comes just days after the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which is managing the site, set a December 5th deadline for the protesters to leave the area for a safer location. The conditions there are just unbelievably well, cold. Well, it's, it's North Dakota. Yeah. I mean, it's basically Canada. Ask Noah. Yep. I mean, it really yep. is. It's, it's, this is what it is. And you're asking people who are natives to leave an area that they're already used to. They're already used to this cold. They're already used to this extreme kind those of those that are from the area. From yeah. the area, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are some of them are now building woodsheds with insulation right now. Oh, yeah. Nora, with that evacuation deadline just six days away, the Army Corps of Engineers and the Sheriff's Department here say they will not forcibly remove any of the people here from this camp. But as they like to be called, these water protectors, if they do stay, the Sheriff's Department says they stay at their own risk. Well, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. So uh, that's usually how life works. I want to get back to your core question. Just a couple more. All right. Oh, this is actually from a few weeks ago. This might have been how a lot of you first heard about the entire protest is when Amy Goodman I heard was uh, served a warrant. In other Dakota Access Pipeline news, last Thursday, Morton County, North Dakota, issued an arrest warrant for me. The charge, criminal trespass, a misdemeanor offense. The case, State of North Dakota versus Amy Goodman, stems from Democracy Now!'s coverage in North Dakota over Labor Day weekend. Now, this is where things start to get a little shitty. A corporation is working in hand with the local government to go after a journalist for doing her First Amendment duties. Right. They're also doing other things that we're going to get to that seem wholly unproportionally unjustified. Uh, In fact, they're going to give you an example of somebody who wasn't Amy Goodman, so they didn't benefit from the national coverage. Of the Native American-led protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline. On Saturday, September 3rd, Democracy Now! filmed security guards working for the Dakota Access Pipeline company using dogs and pepper spray to attack protesters. 
these people are just we're threatening all of us with them, these dogs. And she, that woman over there, she was charging them and it bit somebody right in the face. The dog has blood in its nose and its mouth. And she's still standing here threatening. You can't Democracy Now's video report. So that is that is I would say a small example of the brutality they're using. For wow. first of all, went viral online. Our footage was rebroadcast on many outlets, including CBS, NBC, NPR.org, CNN, MSNBC, and Huffington Post. And, uh, also charged was Cody Hall for his alleged presence at the September third land defense action. So here's your not as famous as Amy Goodman example, where you can see. The state is coming down on an individual using his freedom to pro- to to to, um, to protest in a way he wasn't being violent. It was nonviolent protest in a way that is totally in compliance with his First Amendment rights. He was protesting and he gets arrested. And for a subsequent protest on September 6th, Hall is considered a lead organizer in the movement against the Dakota Access Pipeline and was arrested at one of the checkpoints that have been erected by North Dakota authorities to restrict access to the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation and the growing pipeline opposition camps. Hall was denied bail and remained in jail through Throughout the weekend, Hall's attorneys and several others we spoke to confirmed it's highly unusual for a defendant charged with misdemeanor trespass to be jailed and denied bail. This is yeah. this is it's it's an overreaction. Yeah. And uh, now uh, on top of this, so on top of that crackdown of the press, the FAA has just declared a no fly zone over the area with certain with certain exceptions for certain allowed Pre-arranged press with pre-declared no-fly times where they can operate freely with no overhead uh, sight. So now the FAA now the FAA is involved, and the problem is a huge part of the citizen journalism to keep this entire project in check has been drones. Drones have played an unbelievable part of this story, monitoring them, proving they're going in a direction that's illegal, proving they're going to go through the river. All of these things have been. Captured using drones, exclusive footage distributed via YouTube and other platforms that have shown the company is lying, blatantly lying. And now the FAA declares a no-fly zone, shutting down a fundamental aspect of keeping this whole project in check. Well, it won't. It won't stop those people from flying. <laughs> Probably not. No, no, and and I hope it doesn't. I mean, there there's there's a right way and a wrong way, and what I'm what I'm trying to figure out is. Why is the the wrong way of like you know obviously these police checkpoints and these dot why, why is this even happening Why is this so, even being allowed You know I've, I've talked to a local I happen to know a local in the yeah, area Yeah and uh, and the sense that I've gotten from him is and I've seen this when I when I tune into their local news is locally whether it's right or wrong locally the story that's being propagated is. The tribe just wants money. They had a chance to object, and they didn't object when they had a chance, and now they're doing this because they want money. But see, I heard a local uh, – an interview uh, yesterday morning, uh, Dave Ross from uh, Cairo Radio interviewed actually one of the uh, Indian chiefs of that area. And they say they have money sitting in the bank that they refuse to touch because they don't want money. They just don't want them there. I absolutely 100 percent believe it. There's – so I've been watching a lot of the YouTube videos have been uploaded. There is a Native American from Spokane who's traveled over there, and I've been following his coverage, which is really top-notch good stuff because he's just there on saying this is what's happening here. 
And uh, to me, they seem clearly peaceful. They clearly are there because they believe in their mission. And I think what is hard for people to wrap their head around is they're not doing it just for themselves. I honestly believe they are concerned about polluting not just their water supply in the future, but future generations right. as well because if it doesn't leak today for them, it may leak 20 years down the road. And frankly, if you look at the, the statistics of pipeline leaks that just came out, there is basically one a week in this country. Yeah, There's one leak a week and, basically. And, and, and I was actually reading about the technology and the, the, the oil itself, the, the raw crude. And what's going on is the, the chemical composition of that actually uh, erodes and eats yep. away at the pipe. That's the thing. So there's, it's going to happen. A leak will occur. I heard of some crazy stat that like 17 million people get their eventually get their drinking water source from where this pipeline will be going through, or near where near where this pipeline is going through. Wow, that seems like a big number to gamble on when these things kind of have a high tendency to leak. All right. Um, I guess it's. It's, it's, it probably plays into a – for a lot of the people that are there, Chase, I would imagine it plays into a much larger That's, philosophical debate. Well, is when do we just stop – when do we stop screwing future generations for today's generation to get cheaper access to fossil fuels and when do we start putting our efforts into something else? I would imagine a lot of them there are because they also believe in something bigger like switching to renewables, getting away from fossil fuels, not making sacrifices for these corporations' short-term gain. So why is it then this is not getting a lot of play? I mean, if this was happening in San Francisco, Los Angeles, a major media market, you'd hear something. Besides this is the out Keystone, of nowhere. Besides the Keystone, yeah. what pipeline stories do? I mean, like look at the Ukraine, right? The Ukraine is all about oil pipelines and they never talk about it. They never talk about the pipeline situation in Ukraine. You'd have no idea that it's all about the pipelines. Right. And look at Syria. Or even just look at all of the pipelines that are already going through the states. Yeah. I really think the Keystone is a, is a very rare exception in the pipeline discussion. Um, and so this is just getting – this is a bad situation because I don't think the mainstream media is all that motivated to report on oil companies. And I think there's a reason why it's Democracy Now! and RT and YouTubers – that are reporting on this. I think I think the clear the clear cutoff is people who are corporate funded by huge huge ad revenue deals they're ignoring the topic and the com- the, the businesses that are either crowdfunded, self-funded um, or whatever, like whatever whatever you want to call democracy now, I guess it's audience funded, yeah. um, they're the ones going. And we're like us, we're talking about it. Now if if we had anybody that's in the plastics business Really think about think about the tentacles of the oil industry. It's not just oh, it's on. Yeah, it's just not just gasoline. the BP and yeah. Shell ads that yeah. you see on CNN right. about how they're. I saw some crazy ad. I was watching CNN and I saw some crazy ad about how uh, how uh, Shell is fighting malaria. Like it's just this crazy puff piece for Shell and how they fight malaria. And it was an ad run on CNN. They have zero financial interest in covering this. They're doing it to an extent. And I I went and I explicitly tried to find a few clips for this show that were from CBS and CNN, more local media. Right. Because they are covering it to an extent. But it's such a small fraction of their coverage. And it's so disproportionate to the situation that's going on that I think it's given those of us who follow mainstream media a, a lack of understanding of how deep this goes. This story – could be the only story we have covered for three months. You know, the interesting thing about this is what, what happened, and we've talked about this kind of scenario before, what happens when you tell a group of people not to do something, stop doing it, don't do it? 
They continue to do oh, it. Oh, buddy. And North Dakota's Bismarck Tribune reports that anyone delivering supplies to oil pipeline protesters could face fines. The threat comes from the local sheriff's office. Thousands of demonstrators are hunkered down. In- so what do you think? Now that they've said if you try to help these guys, that you, now now you know what's happening? There's, there's funding pages propping up online. There's ways to donate and send supplies. Since that, it, they've doubled down on it. Exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and, and this is one of those situations where the they're doing a peaceful protest it's not like they're being violent out there it's not like they're they're hurting people i i, I guess you could say well they're hurting people uh, uh, economically because the the company has the right blah 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 that's why i want the clear picture about this i i want to know what is the company saying about this are, are they being tight-lipped or is there an official comment there i mean why isn't uh, representatives, uh, you know, state senators st- uh, stepping up Pushing. on this. I wonder if we're... I, I mean, I, what's going on? I have why? a sense, and I think this is why we're kind of moving it up to a main discussion, is I have a sense this is either going to... This is about to break either way right now. Right. Now, we're talking about this on November 30th, 2016, on a Wednesday. Yeah. By the time Friday rolls around, there could be some big stuff that's broken. That's so, true. W- anyway, so this is crazy. So but go back... And, well, I'll go back to this clip here. Uh, $1,000 fine if you want to help any of these other human beings out. The threat comes from the local sheriff's office. Thousands of demonstrators are hunkered down in the middle of a winter storm. They are ignoring the governor's mandatory evacuation order. Some <laughs> protesters say they will leave only if the controversial project to carry oil through four states is called off. So that is your map of the pipeline right there. Right. Uh, and you can see the point on the map that uh, people are contentious and, with. And, and really this proximity to the river in multiple points is probably concerning. It, I wouldn't even – I bet it – you know, look, you can see it crosses the river in two points here. But, but it runs along the but river. This this mapping of where the pipeline is wasn't the original plan of where this pipeline was going to be. Right, right, and that right. and that's and I wish CBS would overlay what the previous path was. That would be good. That would be nice. Michelle Miller is at one of the camps near Cannonball, North Dakota. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. Temperatures plunged here below freezing with a wind chill of 13 degrees. And although the governor has ordered the evacuations of every tent, every teepee, every yurt you see behind me, his office says he has no plans for a supply blockade. It was snowing then, it's snowing now. Joy Braun says she arrived at the Oshetti Shikoan camp Come on, in. on April 1st. You cook here? Um... I have a little Coleman. Braun and her cousin Nathan Bison showed us where they're hunkering down from the elements. That old lady is a hundred times tougher than I am. Oh yeah, I'm not even shitting you. Any of us? I yeah. I don't. I I He's hardcore. I I got bitchy the other day, yesterday when it was like 40 degrees outside, and she's walking. It's unbelievable. You're telling me this is about the money? You think that? You think? I mean, no. You, I mean, I don't mean to be ages, but you it, think that old lady's doing this for the money? No, absolutely not. No, she because what she believes in. She believes in the fact that it's going to hurt her environment. It's going to hurt her tribe. It's going to hurt people. Including nearly 40 mile per hour winds and below freezing temperatures. That's how you start fire. With the help of a wood burning stove. The governor is saying this is a dangerous way to live in these conditions. He sure didn't care when it was the same temperature as it is outside when he was fire hosing our people. He didn't care about it then, so why is he caring about it now? So when he says, move out, when he says, evacuate. He has no authority here. And are you going anywhere? And, no. that, and actually, that's fact. 
that this is tribal land. This is a sovereign nation. Look it up, folks. Not going anywhere. Bison says he relocated from Las Vegas to protest the Dakota Access Pipeline's construction. I quit my job to come up here. You, know, you did? Yeah, yeah, I put my whole family at stake here. Despite some violent clashes, Bison is one of thousands who have stood their ground at the site in recent months. I gotta admit, part of me, I think if I didn't have kids, I think I would jump in the RV and go there. Bring, bring, and just see what's going on. Bring the drone, bring the mics, bring the camera, and just, I mean, do the show from there. Because, God, that'd be – that or I'd have to be able to fly, and then we'd have to raise a lot more money. Because yeah. then, like, if I could fly, I could still make it back. In time. Become a pilot. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Many argue the project is threatening those who rely on the Missouri River for water and is treading on sacred land, a claim the company building the pipeline disputes. Energy Transfer Partners says there are more than 1,100-mile pipelines spanning from North Dakota to Illinois does not cross the Standing Rock Indian Reservation at any point. The pipeline is 92% complete. A remaining portion crosses under the Missouri River near the encampment. They will not stop our project. That's naive. CBS News spoke to the company's CEO, Kelsey Warren. Wow. I love how they just think about you know, the little people, they're just, they're not even a calculus for them. They're just naive. <sighs> young children. They're young children, Chase. They're young children. Imagine working for that company and you're thinking, yeah, that's my CEO. What a hell of a quote. I mean, there there are ways that as a leader of a company or just a leader in general, you can spin your your response in a way that you give respect but you're also obviously respecting your uh, your fellow employees and your company's vision and stuff. The way he did it was total dickish. Well, also, like, um, see, the thing is, if the Standing Rock Reservation gets their drinking water from this river and everybody downriver gets their drinking water or most of the people downriver get their drinking Guess water what? from this it's river. It's all contaminated. If, if it leaks up, up where it t- at any point where it crosses, everyone that drinks from this is screwed. See, that's the problem is it doesn't matter if you cross through their land or not. You're crossing through the water they drink and that shit's going to go downstream. Right. You see, that's the yeah. problem. Yeah. But they're naive. <laughs> they're naive because they don't understand. The pipeline is 92% complete. A remaining portion crosses under the Missouri River near the encampment. They will not stop our project. That's naive. CBS News spoke to the God. company's CEO, Kelsey Warren. Look at that piece of shit computer behind him, too. Like, give me a break. Earlier this month. We're not even crossing any Native American property. Baloney. Braun argues the land is tribal territory because of a treaty more than a century old. Anybody that says that the 1851 treaty is not valid today, then what? Then they don't believe in the United States Constitution. And what are they doing calling themselves an American? Oh. I like uh I like Egg Shen's advice in the chat room. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm not an investor, so I can't advise you, but he says you should probably invest in water. <laughs> you can do that investing here, seriously. Egg Shen from uh, Big Trouble Little China, uh, right? Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, okay, friend. On Tuesday, the White House said that the president is being regularly briefed about the situation oh, here, but the press office said it is not aware of what it calls any impending presidential actions at this point. Gail? Well, the 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 the, uh, the tribal woman gave me an idea, and and that is to research their treaty. Just like actually up here, you know, we have uh, 
there's the Point Elliot Treaty uh, that established a lot of the tribes here in Washington State uh, around the same time, actually. So I'm interested in this. I mean, I, I want to know, I mean, is it truly disputed? Overlap the boundary lines and see. And I want to see who's right and who's wrong. Does here. it matter, though, if you're water? And why cross the river twice? Does it matter? It just seems like that's it's asking something's for weird. That's asking yeah. for it. The Dakota Access Pipeline was one of those stories that we weren't able to fit during the election, but we're following. And so I was so excited to finally be able to address it right before, as I say, the story popped. Right. Right? You know, like I said on the show, I would re- read notes from time to time from people who write into the show who are Patreon supporters. And this came in from a Patreon supporter uh, by the name of Bo. And he, he, this was in concerns to the North Dakota protests. Oh, good. That's yes, our next topic. That's, that's right. Perfect. That's why I wanted to, to do the Patreon segment now. See, it, it all works that way. It's production kids. Keep up. All right. Here we go. First off, as a Native American, I want to thank you for your coverage of the pipeline protest. I have friends and family which are there protesting, and your coverage of this was truthful, and I am grateful. Most don't really understand our protests and the concerns for the land. This battle is over land rights that has been going on for over 500 years. Chase asked if this land is really tribal land. Yes, it is, according to the Treaty of 1851. Since 1851, the government keeps moving tribal boundaries and calling the land now BLM land. Yep, we didn't get we didn't we didn't mention that in our coverage, but that was something I read before our coverage, which is essentially it sounds like the government has moved the goalpost a couple of times. Correct. And that's it. He actually says that. He says, you know, just because you moved the line oh. doesn't uh, doesn't change the, the fact that the treaty was signed. You were all right that this is a sovereign nation which armed troops are going into. Ask yourself this question. How would things be if these police and mercenaries were to send across the Canadian border? No, this isn't about money. You're correct. There is money in the bank uh, for this land, but the tribe refuses to use this money. You have to understand the connection each tribe has to the land the creator put them on. The land does not have a price. This land is our mother. Would you sell your own mother? I sure, I'm sure know that the CEO on the show would. We, I'm sure the CEO on the show would. Uh, we have a saying in Indian country, we are the land. The land is connected to us just like our fingers or toes. I know people from other cultures don't understand how deep this runs in our soul. That's a huge yeah. aspect of this. It, totally. And, you know, we're kind of fortunate. We live very close to a, uh, an Indian I reservation. I live on one. Yeah. And, and so, and I have many friends that are, are tribal members. And so I, I've kind of learned through proxy about some of the things that yeah. they, they're involved yeah, with. Yep, yep. Um, the uh I know people from other cultures just don't understand how deep this runs in our soul. How can you sell that? We as a people also have a different point of views on making decisions. We look seven generations ahead because every act we do does affect those future generations. Jeez, that's so smart. And it's, Wa- yeah. it's so, our so, society at large could use more of yeah. that. Water is life. You can't have life without water. Sadly, this isn't the first case of a land grab. Really, this has been going on with all tribes for hundreds of years. Right now, the Ute Nation is in a battle over 100,000 acres in which the government wants to open for drilling and mining. Again, this is tribal land protected by treaty. Again, they are stepping over the line with a gun. Since the beginning of the U.S. as a government, the government has entered into over 6,000 treaties with Indian people, and not one has been fully upheld. Not a single one. Think about that for a moment. Yeah, and also remember the original route uh, went through a different kind of neighborhood. Correct. Uh, with a different kind of societal status. Yeah. 
All Native people want is to live in peace and keep what precious little we have and protect it for our grandchildren. If you would like to talk directly to the people directly involved, I can arrange that for you all. I know the leaders and other people involved there. You know, I got an email from a vet who went over there. And uh, that's a big thing. I didn't realize it. And then some people I started following on YouTube are their vets. They're going over there. Yeah, a big uh, vet blockade, if you will. They, she, yeah. they were there to kind of, kind of tag in, you know, and, and, and you take, know what I find to be. You know what I find to be. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say uh, that was it. Wado, uh, which I believe is thank you in tribal speak. And this uh, came from Bo. So thanks. Thank Bo. you, Bo. You know what really gets me about it is the people that were going there to protest, and we're going to cover about like how many people were there. We're going to talk about right. play some clips on some of this, and the vets who self-assembled and self-informed. I think that's what's so f- incredible about this is the Coda Access Pipeline is something that most people know about, despite the absolute horrible coverage of the mainstream media, and it is an incredible example. It is it is such an awesome example of how the people self-informed about a story, many of them after self-informing became motivated to go there and take a stand. Some of them are our most respected members of our society, our veterans. They went there to, to, to stand next to people that have a totally different set of interests, as was just brilliantly yep. outlined in that email. But yet they all still stood together because they self-informed via independent media. Yep. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you to both. Thank you to the vets that went out there. Thank you to those of you who emailed us. Uh, and I want to make sure you all understand the kind of conditions these people are taking a stand in. They're, they're white out. It's not it about is, the money. No, it is not. The first Arctic blast of the season is sweeping across much of the country. Parts of the upper Midwest are under a blizzard warning. Heavy snowfall overnight made driving dangerous in Colorado. Sections of North Dakota and Minnesota have more than a foot of snow on the ground. Temperatures are plunging across the Great Plains. I've been getting uh, notes from Noah like, uh, he did Linux Unplugged yesterday, yeah. and uh, by the time he was done, you know, two hours later, he gets out, and two and a half hours, his car, his Jeep, was completely covered in snow. Uh, the the snow at his house, uh, the first night that it snowed, goes up to uh, the bottom of my truck, he, you know, because he has a similar vehicle. It's been, it's insane how cold it is there. It is inhumane. I, you, you don't... Because it's if you've never been in that area, you don't think that the United States has winter conditions that are as bad as like the you, Arctic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's like twenty below with yeah. wind and and snow. It is not a place you just hang out. So let's let's discuss the big development. Back with this Fox News alert, a major victory for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe as the Army Corps of Engineers decides not to move ahead on the Dakota Access Pipeline. The tribe and its supporters have been protesting this project for months. William Lajeunesse live in Cannonball, North Dakota with the latest on this. Good morning to you, William. Well, Martha, this is clearly a victory for the protest. So who exactly are we talking about? Well, number one, you have down here, you have... Actually, instead of this report telling you who we're talking about, the CNN report actually does a pretty good job of demonstrating who we're talking about. Drumbeats, cheers, and tears. The sound of victory for the Standing Rock Sioux and thousands of others gathered to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. This mass of humanity living off the grid, joined by thousands of military veterans, helped exert so much political and legal pressure, effectively forcing the pipeline to be rerouted. People have uh, said that now this is uh, either we make it or break it, and uh, I guess uh, we made it. 
The pipeline was almost to the river when it was halted by the Army Corps of Engineers so it could take another look at the path. Sunday, officials decided it was a no-go. For months, the Sioux Nation had been demanding the project be scrapped. I was uh, I was I was speculating last week that there, it was going to pop. The story was going to pop one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. I felt like that was building that I, way. I, I think once the veterans got involved, and you know, obviously veterans, and then you have the Army Corps of Engineers. I, I think it, it finally just all came to a head. Now I know that a lot of those guys out there are still there, and the reason why they're still there. I look at it in a couple ways. Insurance policy, making sure they follow through on Mm. what they're going to do and not wait for them to leave and go, oh, we changed our mind kind of a thing. And just make sure that they're continuing pushing that message because they want to make sure that this stays safe, you know, and... This company they already, there's, somewhere. there's already been a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. After marking a victory against the Dakota Access Pipeline, a protest camp north of the Standing Rock Sioux Native American Reservation continues to swell in size wow, with more people arriving by the day. Some come by only for a visit, delivering food or supplies in a show of solidarity with the Sioux. But others say they're not ready to leave. After all, the camp has become a fully functioning community. Well, I like to be in the kitchen. I mean, there are so many ways places that you could offer your help um, from chopping wood to um, help setting up TPs, coordinating security. Um, Nobody's really guiding the volunteers to help out wherever they're needed, but um, there is a place for everyone here. Well, from my experience, from the first time I was here to up till now, this is a place of refuge for a lot of individuals, especially Native people coming from different tribes. Um, at home on the reservation, life isn't always that supportive, and there are a lot of um, difficult things Native people are going through. I don't know if they're going to leave, man. What if they don't want to leave? What if they just decide this is our land and we're not going? Well, guess what? The treaty grants them that right. I feel and, like that's the direction this is going. And, 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 and you know, uh, going back to our email that we received, you know, treaties are there for reason, obviously. And if they're not holding up, and when I say they, I mean the government, if, if they're not respecting the lines of that treaty, something's going to, to push. And sounds they, like I should go claim my boondocking spot, go move the rig out there, claim a little camping spot and say, this is mine. Well, it's, it's pioneer days again. Well, Chase. And that's the thing, you know, there's, there's, there's an, there's embedded independent media up there and, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, it's good that we have independent, eyes on this situation. Yeah, and I, I do want to give a shout out. I've been watching some of the Young Turks coverage on it yeah. because they have a reporter embedded there uh, and some of the YouTubers that I've been following that are just there doing YouTube videos of their daily life there has been yeah. super insightful. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I do think though that this is a good good thing that has happened. It's just, the one thing that sucks about the whole ordeal is you know from for as much as we come down on the mainstream media I'm and I'm going to come down on them don't think I'm not they needed to step up a lot faster than this it we we shouldn't have had to wait for our awesome veterans to go out there and stand yeah, up for it it wasn't until should, it was a victory story that they were right. covering it we shouldn't have had to to wait uh, we shouldn't have to wait until blizzard like conditions we shouldn't have to wait to that point. We, this should have been taken care of a month or two ago. I, I don't know why the Army Corps of Engineers had to stall on this well, for so I long. Well, I think people were hoping to wait them out when it got cold. I think they really thought once winter came, they'd get the hell out of there. But, but the thing is, these companies, they don't understand. These tribal members, it's like it's, it's a generational and cultural thing. It's like 
they know what these conditions are. You're in my house. He, this, yeah, this is my house. This is my area. Yeah, I exactly. know what I'm going to expect here. They're not afraid, and you know, and that's why they're they're standing up to water cannons and, and to dogs and all these things that are happening up there. It's all about mutual respect, and, and right now they they got a huge amount of it. And finally, the mainstream media is actually keeping an eye on this situation. And I hope that this trends in a good direction. Maybe the problem is they're too busy chasing all of this fake news. Like I said, I don't know if it's our best, but it's definitely some important moments from 2016, and all of it was made possible because this show is funded by our audience at patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you so much. The reason we're here this week, the reason we put all of this together, which surprisingly is way more work than you think it is, is because of you, our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. Don't forget, if you're $5 or more, we're going to have a big change coming to the sync system. But if you want to get in now with the old BitTorrent sync system, you totally can. Just scroll through the back post and you'll find it. You can find full live streams on our Patreon page. You don't have to be a contributor. It's just a way we, we say thank you for at least visiting the Patreon. Hey, why not? Why not? Well, you don't want to do that. Well, then why, what about the Reddit? Unfiltered.reddit.com. You can check that out, too. And don't forget the Unfiltered shows live on Wednesdays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out when that is. We'll see you back here next week. Next week.